friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. Hey guys, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we are talking about Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. And I think this title wins for longest title of season two so far. Still doesn't quite take out, uh, what is the other one? Out of Mind, Out of Sight, and Never Kill a Boy on the First Date from season one. I don't know why they just didn't call it like Bewitched. I don't know. I kind of feel like even though it is a long title, it kind of flows off the tongue. Whereas, like, I feel like, what what's that one episode from the first season I I don't think I ever can? Out of mind, out of sight. Okay, well, I'm also dyslexic. But, like, I kept switching it because the normal phrase is, like, out of sight, out of mm-hmm. mind. But then it also just, it didn't really fit the freaking episode because it, it, it should have just been called Invisible Girl. Like, I don't know why they tried <laughs> to make it all fancy. But I feel like Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered kind of fits the episode. Like, anytime someone says, like, oh, Bewitch Father, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I actually remember that episode. Really? It definitely fits the episode, but I feel like it's just a tongue twister for me. I have trouble saying it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we need to preface all of our episodes now by telling everybody that, yes, we are related. And I'm sorry if you have trouble distinguishing <laughs> between our different voices. I had so many people message me this past week and say, ah, I think I was the only person that didn't know that you guys were related. And I was like, nope, you're like the fifth message this week. I just like, I think I, I guess I just forget because it's like, to me, I feel like it's so obvious that we're related because when we're talking, we're like, (laughs) not to mention like, not to mention like, if you hear our bloopers where we're arguing, I would never talk to my friends like that. Where I'm like, gosh, Sarah, how can you not get it right? Like, (laughs) Like I don't, we would not, we would not be arguing over the pronunciation of Clada if we were friends. I guarantee you that. <laughs> I'd be a lot more cordial about it. Yeah, that is only something you do with your siblings. I promise yeah. you. But also, a lot of our timbre and our voices and our laughs kind of coincide, and that's like only like what siblings do, unless like I don't know, we hung out like literally all the time, but. There's definitely genetics Which involved. Which I do though, anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah. Somebody told me that they could never tell the difference between when Tabby or Leo was talking because you guys sound similar. <laughs> we do sound very. Yeah, similar. we do. Sometimes I'll listen to an episode, not the whole thing, because I I can't stand the sound of my voice. But I'll think that uh, that's me saying I don't like Leo's voice too, because I'm about to say we sound very similar. <laughs> my bad, Leo. Sorry. <laughs> but like Leo will be speaking, and sometimes it'll take me a few seconds to register that's not my voice. I'm not even joking. That's really weird. Mine's not that bad. It's more of just like whenever I tell, like whenever I see people in person, they always ask me like, oh, like, do you look like your siblings and stuff? And I I kind of always say like, oh, well, if you put us Mm -hmm. all together, you can tell we're related. But if you see us as individuals, we really don't look related. I was like, until Mm -hmm. one of us opens our Mm -hmm. mouth. (laughs) There's a different banter that siblings have that you can't explain. It's like a different energy. And so, like, I understand how people, like, 
wouldn't know for not talking about it all the time, especially since we don't talk about like our personal lives that much. Um, especially like our family members. I feel like that just doesn't really come up. Like I feel like her voice is. I'm like Buffy stakes. I'm like Buffy stakes a vampire. Oh, and uh, last week I was talking to my mom. <laughs> <and> my <dad. laughs> How do you bring that in? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're on season two, episode sixteen. We are making our way through season two. It's crazy. We're getting towards the end here. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Um, it aired February 10th, 1998, it was written by Marty Noxon, who I think this is her like fourth or fifth episode this season. Mm. Yeah. And they're pretty evenly spread apart. So she's the one that gets the most so far. Yeah. And she's had some pretty cool ones too. She wrote um, What's My mm. Line Part 1 and then uh, What's My Line Part 2, I think. Now I can't even remember. But anyway, yeah. So episode is written by Marty Noxon, directed by James A. Cotner. Um, the title actually comes from a song from the 1940s musical Pal Joey. Um, the synopsis for the musical is Joey Evans, who is played by Frank Sinatra, is a philandering San Francisco-based singer with big dreams of starting his own nightclub, but chasing women keeps him even more occupied. Despite making a meaningful connection with lovely chorus girl Linda English, it doesn't stop him from seducing the wealthy widow and ex-burlesque dancer Vera Simpson, who he hopes will bankroll his club. Ultimately, Joey has to decide who and what he wants most most in his life, which sounds a little bit like what Xander was going through last episode in phases. And I really love how phases kind of like blends into this episode because we see Xander kind of distracted and he's with Cordelia, but he's also thinking about Buffy, but he's also thinking about Willow. And so I like that phases was an Oz centric episode, but ultimately the person who grew the most in that episode was Willow. Like we see Willow become confident and make more decisions. And in this episode, it's technically a Xander centric episode, but Xander doesn't actually grow in this episode at all. It's Cordelia who actually grows and makes some pretty big decisions. Mm. Yes, yes. I, I, I mean, I was going to talk about this when we get to the end of the episode, but like, I, it's not huge, but mm. like, you really, 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 every time Cordelia is in a scene, you see how she's changed from the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and even by the end of the episode, she, she grew from the beginning of the episode, but I, I love that we're seeing more of Cordelia, but I also just love that we're seeing a deeper Cordelia and that we're starting to see her grow and progress because I feel like really, in my opinion, really since, um, out of sight, out of mind or out of mind, (laughs) out of sight. See, I tell you, I I don't know which one it is. Since that episode in the first season, we really haven't seen much growth in Cordelia and, so I love that we have this episode because it's like finally giving more depth to our character. Yeah, and I think it's also really cool that, you know, we've had little sprinkles of Xander, Cordelia, Oz, Willow relationship through the season. But this episode and the episode before finally actually focus fully on those relationships while Buffy and Angel's relationship kind of takes a backseat. And I think it's much needed. We need an episode that talked about Xander and Cordelia. Um, and so I think like once again, I'm like, man, this is not a throwaway episode. This one is actually very important to the rest of the season and important to a lot of characters' growth. Um 
the next episode, Passion, was originally in this episode's place, but the Buffy creators had to concoct something in a hurry to accommodate Sarah Michelle Gellar's absence for filming Saturday Night Live. Joss Whedon claims, we wrote it in a matter of days. We were like, we have to think of something that will turn Sarah into a rat for four days. So Sarah shot all of her scenes first before she left to film SNL. She actually left um, to go film SNL for a week in New York. So typically, from what I've read, it's about like 10 days to two full weeks that it takes to film just one episode. So Sarah shot all of her her scenes like that first week and then the second week she was gone uh, for SNL. What a busy girl. Right? I know, it's crazy. And there's actually, it's pretty cool. You can look up, um, she actually brought David Boreanaz and Seth Green with her and you can see them like on the skit with I've her. I've seen the clips. It's really cute. After this episode aired in Britain, Sky TV dropped the show from its Saturday 8 p.m. slot and replaced it with Third Rock from the Sun. The series wasn't shown for another year and was only broadcast after fans complained. Could you imagine not being able to see what happened Mm -hmm. after Innocence? Like, what the heck? I would be angry. I wonder if there's any of our friends from Britain who experienced that, like... Where were you? What happened? What did you do? Did you like bootleg it? Like how how did you survive for a year? Oh, 100%. There's no way I couldn't. Like I even get impatient when I'm like binging a show or something on Netflix or whatever. And I'm like, uh, where's the next season? And then I like figure out the like, oh, it's, it's coming out on this platform weekly. And I'm like, oh, I have to wait a couple of months. Like I can't even yeah. imagine like it just getting canceled and you not knowing like when it's going to come back or even like WandaVision. I was like, oh, and I binged a lot of it at the last like two weeks. And I was like, I have to wait like a week and a half for the finale. Are you <laughs> yeah. Welcome to our pain for six full weeks. Um, Nicholas Brendan says this is his, one of his favorite episodes because it was really hard not to laugh during the seduction scenes. <laughs> well, that and it was all about his character. I mean, yeah. Which, I mean, fair. I, if it was about me. Oh, well, I'm not shading. I'm not shading him. It'd all my fun. favorite episodes would be about me too. Especially the strutting down the hallway one would be oh so gosh. hard to keep a straight face. Everyone's staring at you. I will get to it, but that scene was so funny. Yeah. Like, I forget how many, like, I don't know. I, I think I keep saying that just because I think that a lot of the... I mean, like Sarah said, I always kind of view this one as a filler episode, but I forget how like well done it mm-hmm. is, whether or not I agree with a lot of some stuff that happens. We'll get mm-hmm. there. But I think it's really enjoyable to watch. And so I just forget all the humor that happens in this episode, especially the strutting scene. I was actually genuinely really su- like pleasantly surprised with this one only because I knew that I didn't hate this episode or anything, but I just didn't remember it fully and i was actually just really surprised at the actual depth of the episode like i just remember it kind of being like a oh yeah like it's a good episode like you know no no real like complaints or whatever but uh watching it back i i i liked it a lot better than i remembered liking it um so i would say the themes for this episode is love versus obsession I think that we see a lot of that specifically with Giles talking Mm -hmm. about that. And I think it's meant to, I mean, all of these Mm -hmm. themes have an underlying comparison to Angelus and Buffy. And I think what they're Mm -hmm. trying, the show is trying to show us is the difference between Angelus's care for Buffy versus Angel's care for Buffy. Did you guys see the correlation and the parallel between the the gifting of the necklaces? Mm -hmm. Yep. I didn't pick that up until this this rewatch and I was like, Oh, this is why we have a podcast. I, was like, I would have never, I would have never noticed that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and we mentioned this just a little bit before, you know, this is, this episode really talks a lot about Cordelia's growth and her change. And, um, I mean, out of mind, out of sight, you know, Cordelia tells Buffy that if she's not popular and surrounded by people that she's not worth anything, that's her underlying, um, motivation. And we see in nightmares, how her fear is to be nerdy, to be a geek. And so when Harmony is telling her, oh, you're going to, you know, match with your geek boyfriend. That's probably the worst thing she could tell Cordelia at the time. It's really interesting. I will say I'm not a huge fan of the trope of women fawning all over one guy or even uh, love spell tropes. Mm -hmm. I think they're kind of like cheesy. I will say that Another theme of this episode could be be careful what you wish for. I think that Xander getting what he wants, but it isn't actually what he wants is kind of satisfying. And I think the episode works because it is self-aware enough to show that Xander is uncomfortable the entire time because normally I feel like they make the man like enjoy it and be like, ooh, I have all this attention. But the only time that Xander was ever like enjoying it was when Buffy first hits on him before he even realizes what's happening from then on out. He just, Mm. that he's like extremely uncomfortable. I think also like the, it kind of touches on like the, the troubles or the, um, um, the warning of lashing out and or saying things that you don't mean in the moment without processing your emotions. Mm. And so him saying, Oh, I want Cordy to feel as, how she's treated me and how I feel. And then he just runs with that because he's in the middle of being heartbroken, which he's totally valid. She did like really hurt him. She was harsh. I'm not yeah. Discounting that at all. Yes. But the fact that he just like ran with his emotions in the moment and was like, she needs to feel how I feel. I'm going to do a love spell just so I can reject her. Whereas if he had just sat on it and realized what that could have done, he would regret it if he actually went through with that, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think too, there's also another underlying message of like, love who you're going to love, like who you're going to like, do what you're going to do and stop worrying Mm -hmm. so much about other people think because you're never going to make other people happy. And it's not worth it if you're miserable, you know? So, Mm -hmm. all right, let's get into the episode. So we're in the cemetery and Buffy and Xander are patrolling together, which we have not seen Buffy patrol in a long time. And I really missed it. Yeah. I will say... This part kind of pissed me off, and I, oh, I'm i no, sorry already? to all of you. I'm sorry to all of you who get mad at me for slamming on Xander. <laughs> We're not starting this episode off with a good, on a good foot. If you don't like me talking bad about Xander, honest God, skip this episode. Skip it. I will Literally. try to give him credit where credit is due, but I'm letting – this is your PSA. This is your warning. Whatever you need to know. Uh, I will be giving a little bit of Xander hate in this episode. That's I will try warning, to be. I will so try you know. to be the balancing. Side. I'll try to be fair. Yeah, I'll try. Listen, I'll try to be fair, but I'm also I, I'm gonna let it know when it's not. Yep. Good, but this scene kind of pissed me off simply because at this moment he is dating Cordelia. He wants to kind of get a little bit more serious with Cordelia. Cordelia. Whoa, Cordelia. <laughs> he mentions how like they are starting to get along more they're acting more like a couple blah 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 saying that their relationship is healthier than it ever has been and then in the same freaking breath he's mentioning how the only other girl he would be interested in is unavailable talking about Mm -hmm. buffy which first of all sander you're dating someone 
don't bring up the fact, like, why are you mentioning the fact that you still have feelings for Buffy? I think he's Second testing all, her. If he says it and she runs with it, then, like, then he would, he would definitely, like, go with it if she was like, oh, yeah, I kind of like you now. She, he'd be like, okay. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't want to assume. I, because I'm trying to be fair, but I, I could see that. But I think it's more so it's like, even if you weren't dating someone, A, Buffy is your friend and she has made it so, 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 so clear that she's not into you. So it's like maybe stop trying to like guilt trip her for not being into you. But it's also like she's going through an awful breakup. Like her heart is shattered and broken. Do not give her any more emotional or relational trauma. Like this poor girl. Like... Just be her friend. Why do you have to constantly bring up the fact that she's not into you? Yeah. I And I think it's interesting where he he says, you know, he and Cordy are getting along better, not fighting as much. But it's interesting the way that he tracks their growth as they just sit together in comfortable silence, not talking. So, like, remember what we talked about in Surprise um, or even well, I think it was Innocence where, like, they're talking about how, oh, Cordelia's like, I don't want to talk, but I'm okay with making out. Like – a common problem in their relationship is they don't communicate and they don't actually talk. And I don't think that sitting in comfortable silence and not arguing is necessarily like, it's not a, it's not a symbol or it's not a symptom of growth necessarily. I think that it is a little bit of growth for them, but I don't think it's healthy. <laughs> sure. And I think that that's the differentiation is that like, yes, they're not clawing each other's throats out, but they're also not connecting. Yeah at all like they are so stagnant and disconnected that it's like even the most basic thing is seen as like super healthy for them which is kind of concerning (laughs) just a little bit i thought that buffy was a good friend in this episode she's glad that they're getting along and tells him not to stress over the gift like she's trying to help him out she's telling him like that's a good good locket and but Xander, just even this next sentence, I wish dating was like slang, simple, direct, stake to the heart, no must, no fuss. He obviously completely denial. Like, like what? Yep. Was he not here when Angelus like turned into or Angel turned into Angelus? Like she probably would never have met Angel if she wasn't a slayer. You know, like she's also putting herself in a lot of danger every time she goes out to slay, which is what she tells him at the end of the scene. Yep. But it's also like any of Buffy's friends should know at this point how much Buffy sees slaying as a burden and not as this beautiful, wonderful thing that she's like, you know, in love with. And so the fact that like he's just sitting here like, oh, I just wish my life, my love life was as easy as your life, Buffy, is like, shut up, Sander. Like, actually shut up because it's like, I know he's not meaning it in a serious way, but it's the little like small things that just add up with him that really annoy me because it's like, why are you treating your friend like this? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's very frustrating. It feels like Xander is so focused on his own problems that he's not even thinking about his friends. And it's like, well, where's the Xander from Innocence that was like, I'm going to go get my friend a rocket launcher. Like, And that's, that's mm. something I struggle with with Xander. Every time it feels like he's on an upward trajectory, they do something in another episode that brings him kind of back down, which I guess... Growth is not yes. always an upward trajectory. Sometimes it's, you know, up and down, up and down in real life. But it's, it's just, it feels like whiplash a lot of times with Xander. 
I think they just don't know what to do with this character because they're like, we still want him to be Xander. Sure. So if they, every time they give him a little bit of growth, they're like, but he's still Xander. So let's give him an episode to have people remind to remind them that he's still the same thing. Yeah. Like you can still give him growth, but have him be the same character. Like that's what good writing is. Yeah. I do think it is really clever and some pretty funny irony when she tells him, you know, sorry, Zand. Slaying is a tad more perilous than dating. And he says, well, you're obviously not dating Cordelia, which is hilarious because who's the person that brought all this on themselves? Xander, yeah. not but Cordelia. But I, I will say, though, it is a funny line. It like is a I did get line. a, I did get a little like, ha, that's funny. That's clever. Yep. Um, but it's also like, Xander, shut up. <laughs> like, just shut up. She's your girlfriend. Why are you talking bad about her? Yeah, talking to someone who's lost their boyfriend, like it's a little insensitive. Yep. All right, so in the school, Cordy is dressing way too old for a high school student, but I'm here for it. She looks like the consummate professional. She looks so good. Yep, with her little slacks and her yellow sweater. (laughs) I noted every single outfit in this episode. The fashion in this episode was amazing. So good. Mm -hmm. So freaking good. It's been really good the past few episodes. So she tries to meet up with Harmony and her groupies, but they are practically running to avoid her. Harmony's hair is gorgeous. She's stunning. I want Mercedes McNabb's hair. It's gorgeous. So Cordelia wants to talk about the outfits for a dance, tells one of the girls that she needs to switch her outfit because she's wearing red and black, which made me laugh. The girls mock her relationship with Xander because he's a geek and because he's a lower social status. Also, I noted, I think it's funny that in all the late 90s, early 2000s movies and TV shows, in every popular or preppy girl group, they always have to have at least one blonde, one brunette, and one redhead. It's just, it cracks me up every time. You have that in diversity. Buffy, Charm, no black people, yeah, diversity. But just the hair. <laughs> the yeah. hair must be different. No colored people, though. Yeah, diversity for white people. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have some representation. <laughs> we want what, we want every single white person to feel included. It's really important to us. <laughs> it's kind of true, though. They're like, we must make sure the brunettes feel included, yeah. the blondes. Us redheads mm. don't get as much representation. AKA Little Mermaid, I mean, Merida, all yeah. these movies. Even think about um, all of the lead girls. You have Buffy, who's a blonde, Cordelia, who's yep. a brunette, and Willow, who's a yep. redhead. There you go. They really were like, we're going to give so much diversity. Oh, and then um, just kind of uh, throw the extra Slayer in there, but we're not going to work on her accent at all. <laughs> Poor Kendra. No, but I, I mean, it is funny because they asked Allison Hannigan and Sarah Michelle Gellar to dye their hair. So Sarah ended up dyeing her hair a little bit more blonde and Allison went red because they didn't want to have a couple multiple brunettes because they wanted people to stand out. Which is is a common thing in shows where they, they do want their actors and actresses to look separate. Like you don't want like an entire cast that is just like blondes. Like or, you know, whatever. Because you do want the characters to stand out and you don't really want comparisons between the characters. But it's also like, hmm maybe try throwing in a person of color yeah. instead of like a box of dye, like hair dye. Like that would be my suggestion, but yeah. you know, yep. to each his own. And this this scene is interesting because it's no different than how Cordelia has treated others and she's finally getting kind of a taste of her own medicine. However, it's exactly what she's feared all along. Um, and it's also kind of sad because we've kind of seen Cordelia soften and we see that she truly does care for Xander. And so yep. this is hard for her. Yeah, this this scene is very, I don't know, it's, it's hard to watch because like one, everyone feels for Cordelia and you're all just like, 
oh, that sucks. But then a part of you is like, ooh, you also created this toxic environment. Mm. These are your friends that you are that you used to be the leader of and you kind of ingrained this mentality into them. So it's like, of course I feel bad, but it's also like how many times have you said this kind of stuff to Buffy, to Xander, to Willow, to countless other people in the school and had no ramifications for it. And now it's like you hear someone's telling you something awful once and you're like crushed. Yeah. Yep. I know. It's it's hard to see her deal with this, but at the same time you're kind of like, this is a this is a product of you. So in the classroom, the teacher is talking about how they have to hand in their paper or they get a failing grade. Xander made me laugh so hard. He's like, no F for Xander today. No, this baby's my ticket to a sweet D minus. He's like over there talking to himself and giving himself a pep talk about his D minus grade that he's going to have. I I laughed pretty hard at that. Um, Amy's back, you guys. We haven't seen Amy since season one, episode three, The Witch. We find out that it's Valentine's Day and there's a dance at the bronze. Willow is really excited to say that her boyfriend is in the band. And it's Buffy so is cute. so supportive. I love it. Um, Amy asks Buffy if she's going. Buffy, oh, Valentine's Day is just a cheap gimmick to sell ch- cards and chocolate. Amy's like, bad breakup, huh? Buffy's like, believe me when I say, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's on Buffy's side being like, yeah. I cannot emphasize this enough. It was a bad breakup. Yep. Um, when they went to go turn in their papers, I died laughing. So Xander's is like one piece of paper, and then Buffy's is like like one or two uh, pieces of paper that she turns in, not even stapled. Willow's is full on hole punched booklet with a laminated cover that looks like it's tight. And I just, I was dying. I, was like, <laughs> I love. The I didn't details. even notice that. I love the detail that someone was like, "We're gonna make mm-hmm. Willow's look like she just went the extra mm-hmm. mile because that's what Willow would do." Absolutely. Um, Amy doesn't turn in anything, just stares creepily at her teacher until the teacher just thanks her and takes the non-existent paper, which Xander's over there like, huh? (laughs) If I was Xander, I would have tried to get in on some of that and just been like, oh, uh, um, uh, you already have my homework. Try and pull some like Jedi type crap and just like wave my hand over her. Or I would just try and sneak past like. The fact that he just doesn't even try anything, I'm like, oh, missed opportunity, Xander. (laughs) Well, I also think like if Amy was trying to not let anybody notice, she was not doing a super great job. She didn't even try to be subtle. She just like stares at the teacher for a full 30 seconds. I know. What the heck? Maybe she thought, well, uh, it's just Xander behind me. But then that really came back to bite her. Seriously. I I think it is interesting that Amy is seeming to kind of go down the same path that her mom did with magic and stuff. And I think... It's just an interesting choice to me because I would think that after seeing what her mom did and how her mom like took over her mind that Amy would be a little bit um, more hesitant to take over somebody else's mind or influence them. See, I actually kind of like this because I kind of view it as like kind of an addiction. Mm. So it's like a lot of times you Mm. see parents, unfortunately, that like are alcoholics cause a lot of damage and trauma in the kids' lives. Um, And I've seen kids come out of that sometimes in one of two ways, which is either one the other way where it's like, I'm not touching alcohol. It's not even going to be my house. Or there is, unfortunately, the people that fall into the exact same addiction um, because it it really is like a a disease. Like, it's just very sad. It's a genetic predisposition. Um, 
Yeah. And so I really kind of like the fact that even though Amy is in the first season was very like, that's not me. That's not who I am. I don't do any of that. And now flash forward to like just a season later is falling into the same traps that her mom is like it. I actually kind of like it because it felt way more realistic than her being a goody two shoes now, you know, that would actually make a lot of sense seeing as we've already established the magic and addiction storyline with Giles in the dark age mm. um, where he talks about, you know, playing with dark magics, it can lead to an addiction. But I think also too, like, we see Amy trying really hard to do the things that her mom wants her to do, that her mom was really good at, like the cheerleading thing. And it, like, like it or not, our parents really affect us psychologically. And especially if she's living underneath her mom's shadow for so long, it wouldn't, it would make sense that she would turn to magics in a twisted way of trying to get her mom's approval, even though her mom isn't actually there uh-huh. anymore. Well, I was about to say the same thing, Sarah. I think you probably say it way more eloquent eloquently than I would but I feel like that's what like parents who have really good manipulation tactics Mm. can really screw you up because even when they're not around you're still kind of reverting back to unhealthy things that you've observed that your parents do without even recognizing it so even though you objectively know that it's not good for you kind of like an addiction that's all you know if that's all of you uh, have observed and that's like someone who's supposed to love you and has used that and weaponized that, that against you and violated you physically by doing that switching bodies with you that's all you know you know she's already been like tainted in, in that way when it comes to magic like even her mom had that like um what's that called when witches had that boiling thing and they put like dolls in it oh like the there's little witches yeah yeah i know what you're so, talking like, about there's I can't, stuff I remember. in the house that she observed and was comfortable mm. around and so like if she doesn't feel like she has, doesn't have a place she doesn't have a core friend group this is all i'm just assuming it's like she's gonna revert back to what she knows whether or not she agrees with it and then there goes that spiral of like having an unhealthy addiction to it yeah no, that's a really good point tabs and i think especially too like she her normal meter is skewed like she doesn't know what is right and what is wrong when you've had someone that's been over like who's narcissistic and manipulative and has told you like no in order to get ahead you have to kind of take things from people and you use people Mm. it would make sense that amy would resort to that as well so yeah hopefully she doesn't go down a super dark path hopefully you know it's this is kind of a warning to her to not mess with dark magics but it was it's just kind of interesting to have a reoccurring character from an episode in the past um, Willow is worried about Buffy being alone on Valentine's Day and Buffy says her and her mom are going to hang out and eat a bunch of food, which I just, I love. Xander tells them that he saw Amy work the magic on Miss Beekman. Buffy thinks that Amy is the last person that should be messing with it, which kind of goes along with your magic as an addiction idea. Then this scene is just sad. Giles comes up and asks to talk to Buffy just as Jenny comes out. We haven't seen Jenny since Innocence. So Giles looks sad, Jenny looks sad, and Buffy doesn't make eye contact. You notice how she's like looking at the floor the entire time. Um, Jenny calls Giles' name, and, and he doesn't say Jenny. He calls her Miss Calendar. It's so sad. I also just like the symbolism of like Buffy kind of being in between them, not only like in the actual shot, like you literally see – Jenny and Giles and then Buffy is in kind of the middle in between them but also just the the fact that like Giles chooses to go talk to Buffy over talking to Jenny 
just kind of symbolizing the fact that he's choosing to side with Buffy over Jenny. Like, very, very just symbolic scene. Well, I was about to say, like, they, they do that a lot with three of them, actually. In Innocence, when her and Jenny are at each other, Giles is in between both of them. Um, and it's interesting if you watch Xander and Willow too, like Xander, like as soon as he sees what's happening, immediately like turns his whole body and his face away from Jenny to kind of like show, hey, I'm with Buffy. Like we're, I'm not going to pay attention, listen to you either. And Willow's the only one that kind of sits there and she has the saddest look on her face as she just watches Giles and Jenny. And you could tell like she wishes she could help. It's, it's really like they pull back so you can see everybody's reaction and how uncomfortable it is. Um, Giles tells her that he can't talk to her, that he needs to talk to Buffy, once again, showing that he is taking her side. Um, and since Buffy's not ready to forgive her, neither is he. And I, I didn't, at first I was like, okay, I think Buffy's like pointedly not looking at Jenny to kind of show that she's upset, but I think it's more than that. I got the feeling that Buffy seeing Jenny reminds her of Angel. And I, and I got the feeling that she just got like so lost in thought because of how deeply she misses Angel. Because when Giles calls her, it's like she got woken up out of this like daydream, not daydream, but she was just sitting there staring at the floor, like lost in her own thoughts. Yeah, no, I agree, Sarah. I think it's just more of like Jenny just kind of represents um, that Angel isn't there. Mm-hmm. And so I think I don't I don't know if it's necessarily like oh she just sees Angel I think it's more of like when she sees Jenny she's just reminded of what situation she's in right now. Yep. Yeah. And she's just in survival mode right now. Yeah. No, she is. This is really hard because I was reading what someone said and they they talked about how obviously Giles still cares for Jenny but he also cares for Buffy, but. I don't know if Giles should have to choose between Buffy and Jenny. And I don't know that it's fair that he has to because the hard part is I think Giles should at least hear Jenny out. He technically doesn't even know why she did what she did. He hasn't talked to her about it. And like we, they never heard her explain her reasons unless they had a conversation off screen. But from this interaction, I don't get the feeling that they did. So it's hard because I feel like Giles should at least hear Jenny out. I see. I don't really see it as Giles is shutting Jenny out because of Buffy. I see it as both Giles and Buffy are hurt by what Jenny did, which automatically bonds them together. But I think that ultimately Giles is just so hurt by Jenny's like lies and betrayal and like everything that he just is so like I don't even want to talk to you because like for for months now you've been lying to me and because of your lies someone that not only I but mainly Buffy cared about you know and Buffy is like a daughter to him so I think that it's like anyone hurting Buffy in that way I causes him so much pain but it's also just like I let you into my life and you caused Buffy pain. And so it's like, I think it's multi-layered, but I don't think it's as cut and dry as he's just taking Buffy's side. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I kind of view it as both of them protecting themselves. I don't view it as them kind of like, um, kind of giving them the cold shoulder as it may kind of seem like. I kind of view it as them being like, I'm still kind of mourning what's going on. And so this is me protecting myself by not kind of telling you how I'm doing or even just kind of conversing with you because I still have to process what's going on. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think that would also make me kind of feel better because I, I mean, I love that Giles backs up Buffy, but at a certain point, like 
there's a healthy side to that and an unhealthy side to that. If Giles is genuinely her, which I think he is, it would make sense that he wants time and space. And it's totally understandable that he's hurt, you know? Not to mention when someone's hurt you because of lies, it's kind of like, why would you want to hear them out if you just think they're a liar? I mean, I think it's a little more nuanced than that simply because Giles loves Jenny. And if you love someone, you want to actually like hear their reasoning why. Um, but yeah, he's not ready and that's okay. So in the library, Giles is pacing. The way this is shot, like there are several shots in this episode where it's from the floor. It's like look kind of looking up a little bit. It's really interesting, especially from phases, which had a lot of like um, shots that uh, either looked overhead or from the top and stuff. It's just a, it's an interesting choice. Um, it creates a feeling of vulnerability and smallness. Um, Buffy asks if he's okay. Giles says, I was more concerned about you, actually. Giles has been reading up on Angelus's activities from before he had a soul. He says, around Valentine's Day, he is prone to brutal displays of what he would think of as affection. Um, Giles doesn't want to go into detail, asks her to stay off the streets for a few nights while he takes over patrolling. Better safe than sorry. And Buffy says, it's a little late for both, which Again, the way they are blocked is really, it's really beautiful because Buffy's curled up in her chair, giving a feeling of vulnerability and Giles is sitting on the table near her and the way he's talking to her is very fatherly. And I notice that the camera is almost focused past Giles at the window behind him. So like you have Giles on one corner, but it's like the, a lot of the focus of the camera is the sunlight coming through the window. And I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting because Buffy's fully in the frame um, Giles is too, if Buffy's in the center of the frame and Giles is kind of to the side. And I was like, why is that? And I think they're trying to show you from Buffy's perspective, how she's watching Giles. And it gives the sense of Buffy trying to focus on something else other than him to ground herself and keep herself distracted from the topic of Angel tormenting her. It was really well done. Cause I like when you're watching Giles talk, you have this, this sense of like something else, like is going on. It was just really interesting. Like if you're looking from Buffy's perspective, she's obviously hurting. And you know, when someone's talking about something really hard, it, it's hard to make eye contact. And sometimes you look past them, um, especially if you're hurting. So I just, I thought that was really, really cool. And I love, I just love how intentional they are with the way they have their camera angles and their shots. All right. So in the factory, Spike gives Drew a necklace, which one of you guys, I don't remember who it was, pointed Me. out. Tabby. Okay. I didn't want to say <laughs> Leah. <laughs> <laughs> gives the wrong person credit. Sorry. Um, so Spike gives Drew a necklace, which, Tabby, you pointed out, is directly mirroring mm-hmm. what happened with Xander wanting to give Cordelia a necklace. Well, I have a theory. Okay, tell me. <laughs> Dang it. Can't I know you spoilers. Can't <laughs> <laughs> People who know, know. Yes. Um, <laughs> that was not intentional. And then, yeah, anyway. Um, as you were saying, Sarah, like in the beginning – there's a kind of like an underlying theme of like obsession versus actual love in this episode. So I feel like the giving of the necklaces is kind of supposed to symbolize. So I think that for Spike giving Drew a necklace, it's actual love. And then when Angel comes in and gives her a heart, that's just obsession. No, I, th- I think I think you're touching onto something. And I think there's supposed to be direct correlations between mm-hmm. Angelus's love for or well, obsession with Buffy and Drusilla. Um, and it's supposed to contrast Angel's love for Buffy. I think that, 
you know, as Giles talks about, he's like, that's not love, that's obsession. And, and Joss Whedon himself has said that, you know, Angelus is incapable of actually loving, that it's this twisted sort of lust and control and a desire to, um, yeah, to control that person's mm-hmm. life. So I think that we're kind of seeing a little bit of that with Xander now, because Xander, I mean, the whole, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but the spell that he does, it's not a love spell. Mm-hmm. It is in a way, it's kind of a vengeance thing, oh, which we've yeah. seen before. <laughs> Don't worry, Leah. We'll give you I'll a get. Moment. I'll get to. Yeah, I'll get to that. But I, I think it's also just like I. I think that we're not seeing Angel or Angelus fight for like Drusilla's love. I think that he just one loves to humiliate Spike, mm-hmm. but it's too. I think he also loves to rub in the fact that he has control over Drusilla. Exactly. That he has this hold on her. Just like he has a hold on Buffy, and I think he likes to kind of have that kind of demented power over girls. Well, I think it's more than that, too. I think he's trying to show Spike who's really in control. And because I think that, you know, Spike was kind of the big guy in charge until he got injured, and then Angel or Angelus comes in and he's going, hey, move over, Spike. I'm the new rooster in the hen house kind of thing. And so there's this whole underlying tension there of who's the one that's in control, who's going to get Drusilla. And so I think that it mirrors a little bit of what Xander is doing over here and that he doesn't actually care if, or maybe that's maybe that's too unkind. I think he does care to a certain extent, but I think he cares more that he's recognized because he talks about, I'm tired of being humiliated. I want some respect. So the reason he's doing this is ultimately selfish motivations fueled by control. Mm. Well, and it's interesting because it's not even like a, oh, I'm so, I'm so hurt that Cordelia doesn't care about me, that she doesn't like want me. It's more so like, how can another girl not be into me? His ego is bruised because she rejected him. Yeah, it's just like a, it's not like a, oh, I really liked this girl and I wanted her to like me back. It's like a, why does no girl like me? Why does no one want me the way that I think that they should? Like, it's so arrogant and prideful and it's just disappointing. Yeah. And his words are all like, everyone in the school is going to know. And I, I, I want some respect around here, you know? Yeah. And we'll get into it. But let's talk about this scene for a second. So yeah, Spike gives Drew the necklace, nothing but the best for my girl. And then plop bloody heart <laughs> from and Angelus. Angel goes, cute. Yeah. So but I think it's, demeaning. I think it's also interesting looking at their gifts. Spike is something mm-hmm. that is sweet, that is beautiful, that he thinks Drusilla will like love and think that is you know it's very romantic to give like a significant other a necklace something that's beautiful and sweet it's very human and then uh angels or angelises is a heart bloody gross but it's twisted and dark like his weird relationship with drusilla um but it's also just interesting in general because it it appeals more to drusilla's vampire side whereas spike's gift appeals more to her quote-unquote human side Mm -hmm. so it's like their gifts kind of resemble their relationship with drusilla yeah and i mean the judge talks about the humanity that is between spike and drew i think there is is a more human like love it's probably closer to what humans feel it's less control more about actual love and angelus is incapable of that you know um yeah so (laughs) Drew's excited about how it's still warm. 
<laughs> and I wrote, Angelus is intentionally pushing Spike's buttons as Spike is literally over there seething. Um, I know Drew gives you pity access, but you have to admit it's easier when I do things for her. Such a, like a double meaning. Puts the necklace on Drew, which I was like, dude, this is like cold. This is so mm-hmm. cold. Spike, you would do well to worry less about Drew, said very quietly and very threateningly. We haven't seen this spike since like, you know, school hard. Um, and more about that Slayer you've been tramping around with. And Angelus says, dear Buffy, this is the first time I feel like Angelus has used Buffy's name. It's been the Slayer up until now. Mm. Um, Spike, why don't you rip her lungs out? That might make an impression. <laughs> Which it's so funny because it's like, I feel like any rational person, any rational vampire that we've seen has been like, kill the Slayer, get it over with, like, get it done because this Slayer is not someone you mess with. And it is so interesting to me that Angel is kind of walking this very thin line because it's like Angel knows what Buffy is capable of. And so the fact that he's like willing to risk his own life because he wants so badly to mess with her and torment her is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It is very interesting. It's very layered, this whole thing. I mean, don't worry, Spike. Angel always knows what speaks to a girl's heart, which is just, again, very twisted coming from Drusilla, somebody who was literally tormented and turned by Angelus. And Mm. yeah, it's very twisted. Uh, Yeah. And she says that while not looking at the necklace, while looking at the heart. Like, it's very pointed. Poor well, Spike. it's also because, like, Angel created Drew. So he knows what is going to kind of draw her to that. So it's even more of a dig because it's like, he does know Drew, but in a very different side of Drew. And one that's going to kind of keep her coming back to him because it's toxic. Whereas, like, it's it's, I don't know. It's weird saying this about, like, vampires, but it's like, the good guys always, you know, come in last. With mm-hmm. Spike, he's just sitting there, and he, you know he's thinking that. He's like, Drew's like my girlfriend, and I got her this cute little necklace. And then Angel comes in and has to screw it up. It was probably a lot of work for Spike, too, since mm-hmm. he can't get around. He probably had to have someone go get it for him. And, yeah, <laughs> had, had one of his minions like go on like a suicide mission just to get the necklace during the daytime. <laughs> yeah, right? Which, speaking of which, I think it's interesting with each episode that we see Spike in, his face is healing more and more. Um, and I noted that his face is looking a little bit better in this episode. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. Hopefully we'll see the revenge of Spike. I don't know. I kind of am on team Spike versus team Angelus right now. <laughs> Literally. I think anyone would be on Spike versus Angelus because Angelus is just so He's a demented. Yeah. Like Spike will be a jerk and he'll kill you. But like Angel will kill your whole bloodline and make you go crazy <laughs> and then kill you. <laughs> That is true. Yeah. Right. And I, I kind of, I want Spike and Drew together. I think they deserve to be together. And I see like how Angelus is kind of taking over Drew and I'm like, no, Spike, go get your girl. All right. So in the bronze, the song is Pain by Four Star Mary. And that's actually the band that's playing. Um, Willow is totally fangirling over Oz. Xander looks miserable. Oz's band is Dingo's Ate My Baby. <laughs> Such a funny name. This little scene is so cute because you just have Willow who's just being like, I think I'm a groupie. (laughs) Or she says, Oz has his cool hair today, which I will say this is coming from somebody who has naturally red hair 
and I dyed it really dark last year. And he switches back and forth between his like really bright light red hair to his like dark like black. And it's like that's so unrealistic that he just like shows up one day from like a box dye and has like a perfectly light like red hair and then the next day black because it took me months to get back to my normal red hair. But I mean, I think on dough. <laughs> yeah, for real. I think it's like really cute, and I love the idea that he just like, hmm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be redhead today. I don't have black hair, but I'm like, I wish it was that easy. You would slap a box eye over black hair, and then just have like perfectly light red hair. Well, actually, isn't there like a theory that like Oz's hair changes with his werewolf face? No, that's that's not a thing. It literally is really? just his hair is changing because Seth Green had movie roles. <laughs> he was doing like Austin Powers and other things like that. And yeah, but I think it kind of fits with Oz. It I does. I see him just being like, hey, I'm going to change my hair today. And yeah. Which whatever. totally fits. Yeah. Yep. It really does. Also, I think it's so adorable that she's watching him while he's playing and they do this really cool shot where they show Oz playing the guitar and he's like looking out the obvious and he keeps audience and he keeps smiling and then they kind of slowly pan out and then you end up resting behind Willow and Xander and you notice you see that Oz has been smiling at Willow the entire time as mm-hmm. he's playing it's really so cute, cute. Um, apparently Oz's guitar has an inscription that says sweet J on it and I do not know what that means. Cordelia enters wearing black and red, just like she said she was going to. Her group, the Cordettes, I guess they're now the Harmonettes, the Harmonies. <laughs> the Harmonies. Harmonies <laughs> is kind of a sick name. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the Harmonies. We're just, that's what we're going to call them are now still ignoring her. Um, and then it contrasts like the party vibe in the bronze to Buffy and Joyce sitting on the couch, just eating a bunch of food. And then the doorbell rings and they're like, oh, okay, got to get up and get it. It's such a mood. Like I such really relate mood. to it. <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting that we're seeing this kind of change in Buffy where she's like, because I mean, in the first season, she was very like, I want to go out and party and have like a normal life and blah, 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 which I mean, she still wants a normal life. But I think that Buffy right now is just so not herself that we're seeing this change in her of just being like i don't want to go out i don't want to do this like i just want to stay home i just want to like you know her and joyce have both kind of been through semi-similar things i mean both their boyfriends tried to kill them or at least kidnap them and stuff i mean joyce is eating her feelings over ted buffy's eating her feelings over angelus like it's kind of relatable This part was also a little terrifying. She gets up to go check the door and then she comes back and Joyce is gone. And we're all kind of on edge because we're expecting Angelus to do something. And they have that like creepy horror like shot where she walks through the house and hears like, you know, tree hitting the the window and Joyce is nowhere to be found. And um, she comes in from the back door and brings in a box of red roses with a card that says, soon. I don't understand why Buffy keeps making the mistake of thinking that her house is safe. Right? Like, Angel mm-hmm. has an open invitation into her house at any point in time. If it was me, I would literally be like, Mom, pack your bags, leave. Like, I would find any excuse to be like, go somewhere far away. I guess it's hard because it's like, yes, Buffy can take care of herself and her mom, but it's also like, Buffy's not always going to be there when... yeah. You know, Joyce is home alone. I think she's underestimating Angel at this point. Mm -hmm. I think she hasn't fully processed who he is because she hasn't fully witnessed the wrath of Angelus. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, I if I were her, the first thing I'd be doing is looking into, is there a way to get him from coming into my house? Is there a way to put a spell or something? Um, yeah. But I mean, at this point, she isn't capable. And that's what this episode is supposed to be for, partially. She's supposed to figure out what he's actually capable of. That's why she goes to Giles and is like, hey, you need to tell me what's going on. Um, fun fact, Sarah Michelle Geller's character received a box with flowers with roses and a note that read soon on it in I Know What You Did Last Summer, right before her hair gets cut off. Oh, what? Yeah. That That's weird? a cool callback. Yeah. It's really cool. You know they must have done that in time. Oh, absolutely. Um, back in the bronze, the song is Drift Away by the band Naked. Cordelia sitting by herself looking very sad. Very sad. This is this is unusual to see Cordelia looking like this. I thought it was seriously, all like Cordelia doesn't get that much screen time, but her character, you're watching her think, process, figure out if she mm-hmm. really wants Xander over her popularity. Well, she's sitting there and it's not like a like, oh, I'm thinking through like she looks like she's like deep in like a trance like he comes over and she like barely even notices he's there like she like looks like mute yeah i don't even think it was that she was thinking on whether or not she wanted xander i think it was she knew she was going to break up with him and she was trying to convince herself that she didn't want him oh yes yeah Hmm. you're spot on leah that's right yeah and i think that is important because it wasn't a flippant decision. This was something mm-hmm. that sh- was like a sacrifice for her and something she thought very hard on. Um, and ultimately, you know, by the end of the episode, I think it's very clear where her heart wants to go. But it's just interesting to know that she like, this isn't just, oh, I'm being shunned by my friend group. All right, this is a split second decision. No, this was something that was painful and was a sacrifice for her. Cordelia sees Xander, your clothes, you look so good, which Buffy picked out Xander's outfit did anybody get angel vibes from the outfit uh, so, that she picked? Yeah, I know a little bit. But it's also <laughs> like gross because it's like, uh, like, why would you mention, oh, Buffy dressed me? It's like, what the heck? I mean, I mean, well, he said Buffy dressed me, but I don't necessarily think like it was, I think Cordelia, if she had felt something by it, she would have said it. But I thought it was cute that he went the extra mile to try and find something that would be pleasing mm-hmm. to her. And that's why he asked somebody whose fashion he trusts. Yeah. And it's so hard, too, because, like, in this scene, like, I I don't see anything wrong with what Xander does. Or, like, I really feel like he's trying to show that he cares for her, try, trying to show that he really wants her and, like, is putting her first. Like, I think that Xander is being a healthier version of himself in this scene. Like, I really do... And even the way that he reacts to her, like, turning him down by the end of the scene, like, I don't think he does anything, like, awful. Like, he's just, you know, sad. It's what happens later on in the episode that I'm, like, completely discredits how he was acting in this scene. No, 100%. I agree. I think that his response to her is completely justified. And I don't think he was being mean or anything. I think he was conveying how he was feeling in that moment and... I think if he hadn't, we would be like, whoa, do you not really care about her, Xander? Like, what's going on? Yeah, so um, Xander pretty much puts his heart on the line for Cordelia. Maybe something in you sees something special in me and vice versa. I mean, I think I do see something. And then he hands her the box with the heart necklace, which this is as close as we're going to get, I think, to a heartfelt message from Xander to Cordelia at this point. It's not perfect, but I appreciate that he's trying. Cordelia looks like she's genuinely moved by his words, even though she's, you know, struggling to break up with him. 
tells him that she wants to break up. And Xander, Nicholas Brennan, I give him props for this mm-hmm. because his face, he looks like this was the last thing he expected. He looks genuinely just dumbstruck. Nicholas Brennan is a really good actor because like like Xander himself is a frustrating character, but when he does stuff, I believe him. Like, like I genuinely think that Xander is a real person. Like he does such a good job. Um, but also what Cordy says next, she's so spot on. I was like, girl, that this is exactly what your relationship is. She's like, even if parts of us see specialness, we don't fit. Which it's hard because it's not exactly like I disagree with Cordelia. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that the words that she's saying logically is actually what their relationship is like, kind of what Tabby was saying. Like, she mentions how they don't fit and, like, all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I agree, but that's not why you're saying this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the ultimate issue is, like, I agree with what the word she's saying, but not why she's saying it. Yeah, I'm not saying that, that like, her bringing up with him in the moment was the best thing. But I'm saying that, like, that is accurate about their relationship. Yeah, and I think Cordelia is saying it truthfully. It's Mm -hmm. partly why she's breaking up, but it's not the whole truth. She's saying they don't fit romantically, but what she's saying is we don't fit social statusly. And that's not what he hears, you know? Um, Social statusly is not a word, but you know what I mean. Um, Yeah, Xander responds in hurt and anger. Can't believe she would do it on Valentine's Day. Totally understandable. Um, Cordelia, I didn't mean to do it this way, Xander. Well, you did, which is valid. Both of their acting in the scene is just beautiful. It's like, very layered. You believe both of them. And like, I just think that his response is so human and just so... I like that like, he kind of like calls her out and being like, why did you have to do it today? But he's not mean. Like, I really don't think he's mean at all. I think he's just upset and angry and i think that he has every right to be and i don't i just i really like this scene i think it's really well done Mm -hmm. yeah i especially i mean we didn't really talk a lot about it previously but i think it is actually again character growth on xander's part that he actually went out of his way to get a necklace for cordelia even though their relationship is kind of a non-relationship like they're just you know making out in a closet i think the fact that he got a necklace and stuff This is him continuing to try to pursue Cordelia and be like, hey, I want an actual relationship, even though she's turned him down several times now. Um, So I think it is admirable, and I want to give him props to that, especially, you know, going into where we're going (laughs) with the rest of the episode. True. Xander walks in the hallway. Someone brings up that he got dumped the night before, showing that it's probably spreading around the school by now. Sees Buffy and wants to talk, but, you know, clearly Buffy is still reeling from what happened with the flowers. Which, this scene is so interesting to me. Number one, Buffy looks amazing in her outfit. Thought I'd point that out. Yes. I love this outfit. But also, I think it is so interesting that his ego was hurt, he's upset about Cordelia, and the first person that they see turns him down after this is Buffy. And it's not even like a big deal. She's literally like, she's actually dealing with really big stuff. Not that he isn't dealing with something big as well. But, you know, her her ex-boyfriend could literally murder the whole town. So it's like a little bit bigger. Um, but she turns him down. And I like how that's the last straw. It is not Cordelia. It is Buffy ultimately turning him down again. Hmm. That is... What it sends him like, I can't do this anymore. I need respect, blah, 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 blah. Because I honest to God feel like if Buffy had been like, okay, yeah, Xander, like, let's talk or whatever, I think he would have been fine. 
Mm. Like, and maybe that's just me in my own mind. But I think it's that, like, it is now even the girl that was his second option has turned him down. And his first option, again, is kind of, like, pushing him to the side. He's like, I get no respect. And that that's what's kind of sets him off. Well, and I think this is something – I don't think this is spoilers to say, but it runs through the entirety of the show, um, which is we work better when we have people surrounding us and walking through life with us. And in this moment, Xander can't talk to Willow about it and won't talk to Giles about it. They're not really close. And so Buffy and him have the closest relationship. And mm. and if they were able to actually have a conversation, like you said, Leah, I think that it would have helped him process through things and work through things. But because he had no one, you can see something snap in him, especially because he passes the girls that laugh at him. It's just like another layer. And Cordelia sits right next to them and doesn't say anything. And so I think that in his mind, it's like, all right, I need to take things into my own hands because I have no one else to come and help me. So yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I wonder if things would have been different if Buffy had sat, actually talked to him. And this isn't like a dig on Buffy because- Yeah, Buffy no, I'm not trying not to blame Buffy. Yeah. For his actions. But it is, I think, important to remember that like actually walking through things with our friends means more than- Sometimes we even realize. All right. So he sees Amy passing by and is like, all right, hey, I know you're a witch. Says that he'll tell the teacher about her lack of a paper. <laughs> Blackmail is such a dirty word. <laughs> says he wants respect, wants to come out ahead. Looks at Cordy and says, you and me, Amy, we're going to cast a little spell. I thought I like, I really like that moment, especially with Amy right behind him. She kind of tilts her head. It's just really well done. So Xander's like, all right, Amy. I want to cast a love spell. And she's like, casting an eternal spell is one of the hardest things to do. And Xander's like, no, 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 no. I don't want it for eternity. And she's like, wait, I don't get it. If you don't want to be with her forever, then what's the point? This makes me mad because it's like, if Xander had gone in there and was like, I want Cordelia to love me. I want to date her. I want to love her. Would it have been right? No, not at all. Because it's still taking away her free will. But it at least would have meant, like, he just wanted her. Like, he was so blinded by the fact that he wanted her. But the fact that he wants her to fall in love with him only so that mm -hmm. he can break up with her and take all of her free will out of it is so gross. Violating. So it's violating. violating. Yes, that's a mm -hmm. good word for it. It's just, it's like, is your ego that big? That you want someone to magically fall in love with you and then shatter everything in front of them. And, like, Cordy didn't do it cold-heartedly. It may have, like, seemed a little bit cold to him, but she really cares for him. And that would ruin her if she came out of that trance, was humiliated by everyone in the school, by someone that she really loved. Awful. And I think I think what makes this scene even grosser, I don't know if that's a word, even more disgusting, is the fact that later on in the episode, when Cordelia hears about mm -hmm. the, the love spell, mm -hmm. she thinks that Xander wanted her to fall in love with him so that they could get back together. And he never corrects her mm -hmm. and tells her, oh, no, I wanted you to fall in love with me so I could break your heart mercilessly. I, okay, I have to say something. I love the show. Y'all know that. But I'm very disappointed in how the writers chose to have the girls respond 
to this situation with Xander in this episode. It was like Xander's ego was stroked so much in this episode. He did some crappy things. And it was like Buffy at the end being like, you didn't take advantage of me. Good job. I'm so proud of you. And then Cordy being like, the, the spell was for me? And she was like, oh, happy. And it's like, no one says anything about how crappy that was. Here's Here's the thing. In Buffy's case... I understand why she was like, you didn't take advantage of me when you had full opportunity. And not to mention, the spell wasn't meant for Buffy anyways. So it's not exactly like he meant to put her in that position. So I understand why she's like, thank you for not taking advantage of me. In Cordelia's case, it's like, should you be concerned that he was going to put a love potion on you? Maybe. I'm, But it's also the fact of like, Cordelia didn't know... That it wasn't a love potion because he wanted her back. I I wasn't saying the characters. I was saying the writers and how they chose to have the characters respond. It was all just stroking his ego. Ultimately, and that's why I say this this episode was bigger for Cordelia's growth than Xander's because you get to the end of the episode. And the only consequence that Xander has from this episode is that Willow won't talk to him temporarily. (laughs) Other than that, Xander does not experience any other consequence. No, no, no. In fact... His girlfriend gets back together with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Oz punches him, but then it immediately recoils. Like that's it. I mean, to be fair, that's a lot for Oz. For sure. Um, And there was bigger issues like Buffy was running away and she was a rat. So it was like, it was kind of like, okay, refocus. Um, But yeah. I, yeah. I, I know. I'm just saying that that's like, that's all that, that happened. No, I, I agree. Yeah. And then uh, Xander says, point is, I want her to want me desperately so I can break up with her and subject her to the same hell she's been putting me through. Which, again, this is supposed to kind of mirror Angel and Buffy's relationship, which is interesting because I would venture to say that Angelus has done way more to Buffy at this point than what Cordelia has done to Xander. And you don't see Buffy over there like, I'm going to cast a love spell on Angel to get back with him. Like Buffy is dealing with this pain. You Same with Giles and Jenny. They show Giles and Jenny going through pain and Giles is not trying to like do anything to Jenny, you know? And so it, it's just like, okay, Xander, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. And also like we're seeing a pattern of vengeance is not a good thing on this show. Like mm-hmm. people get hurt. But it's also really interesting to me because it's like, You're not in love with Cordelia. You are not hurting from a broken heart. You're hurting from a broken ego. And so not only are you going to give her a broken ego if you cast that spell and broke up with her, but you'd also give her something you don't have, which is a broken heart. So you're giving her something way worse than what you have. Like, that's so evil. To be fair, I don't think Xander realizes the extent of Cordelia's feelings for him at this point because she's turned him down multiple times and because they're not actually communicating. Because Cordelia's not telling him what he means to her, he's just not aware of it. Which, again, not an excuse for what Xander's doing, but the two of them really need to communicate <laughs> because it's obviously like hurting people and, you know, hurting each other. So Amy tells him that the intent has to be pure with love spells. Xander, right. I intend revenge, pure as the driven snow. Here we go with vengeance. Amy says she needs a personal object of Cordelia's. And um, I was remembering back when we recorded The Witch, 
Um, remember when we talked about the witch's ethic, which is embrace love and a kinship with nature and it harm none, do what you will. Um, and so the law of threefold return, which is that pagans believe that any act of magic will rebound on the magician threefold, meaning that if a witch performs black magic, he or she will experience a negative ap- impact with three times the force of the act performed. And so that we see that illustrated very That's clearly. freaking terrifying. It's very terrifying. And so magic has a consequence. I think of once upon a time, magic comes with a price, dearie. But it's true. Like, we see that in the Dark Age when Giles is dealing with the ramifications of using the dark magic as a youth. Like, in the Buffyverse, anytime you use magic in non-pure motivated ways, it comes back to bite you, like, threefold. And a lot of people like theorize that the spell probably didn't work because of the lack of pure intent. Um, but there's a couple of different uh, things that we'll we'll get into when they actually do the spell that I'm really excited about. So in the library, Buffy is just killing it with outfits. The the elbow length black V neck with the leopard print skirt. Even her makeup and her hair. It's just so yes, classy. yes. I like. I have um. I don't remember. It was a couple months ago. Someone was like, oh, what's your favorite like um, hair look of Buffy? And season this two one. hair is one of my favorites. But specifically, I was like looking at pictures and it was like this one because her makeup looks amazing. Her eyes pop in that scene with Xander like later on. Yeah. Um, and her like hair looks so good. She just looks stunning in this episode. She really does. Like the particular shade of blonde that she picked mm-hmm. really compliments her she's got like this yep. zigzag i color. noticed that her hair was a different colored dye yeah well she was supposed to go on snl so i wonder if she like was looking a little extra nice because she's about to go on snl I don't she know. probably like just got it like extra bleached mm-hmm. yeah done a little bit um so buffy slams the soon note on giles's book soon what giles you never held out on me until the big bad thing in the dark became my ex honey which fun fact this is the first time that big bad is actually mentioned in the show which i mean whoops there we go again using big bad but whatever <laughs> tells him that it came with the flowers says i can't hang around and i can't prepare when i don't know what's coming good job buffy and giles agrees and i think I think this was – I just love this this moment because I think Buffy taking the assertiveness and saying, no, Giles, I need to know because people are going to die if I don't is just really good. Um, all right. So the juxtaposition of the intensity with Buffy and Angelus' threat with – then you have Xander over here trying to get Cordy to love him is actually really kind of funny because you have like intense, like actual real world problems and then Xander's problems over here. <laughs> Cordy's trying to avoid Xander in the hallway. Xander says he wants the necklace back. Cordelia tells him it's in the locker. This scene is so sad because Cordelia is trying to act like she doesn't care and trying to look like she's unfazed and stuff. But the fact that she was wearing it, like, oh my gosh, it hurts my heart. Yeah, well, I don't think it's just Cordelia though, Leah. Like, Looking at the scene, Nick Brendan does a good job of playing up Xander's hurt and rage and making him seem like he doesn't care. Like you have Xander leaning against the locker, whistling and trying to act like it's not actually hurting him when you know it really hurts. And it not only does it hurt him, but it hurts his pride that he has to go and ask Cordelia for the locket back. Oh, 100%. So she she looks so sad when she takes it off, says, here, it's a good thing we broke up. Now I don't have to pretend I like it. And Xander, if looks could kill, 
<laughs> is, yeah, not happy. So at the school, then we cut directly to the circle. Did you guys notice that the circle is the female, the symbol for female? It's like the circle with the cross. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's really funny. Um, holding the candle. And I wrote, why are they doing this at the school? Like, why, why does <laughs> – is the school just forever unlocked? Did Giles let them in? Like, yeah, okay, go ahead and That's do your like. True. You know what I mean? What the heck? Yeah, I mean, they the just go in a classroom and then just does a love spell. No one notices. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the well, I mean, answer- she is a witch. She could have broken the locks, and it's not exactly like uh, schools back then had video cameras. But why the school? Like, it has a-, like a park or something. Well, I mean, if you're gonna do a spell and stuff, uh, I think they need the stuff in the chemistry lab. Oh, yeah, you're right. They do. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Because I was like, why the school? That No, that makes a, to- a lot of sense. All right, so Amy calls on Diana, the goddess of love and the hunt, to bind the heart of Xander's beloved, says may she neither rest nor sleep until she submits to his will only. Also, can we talk about how predatory that spell is? <laughs> like, until she bends to his will and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, it's very creepy. Yeah, it's interesting because I do, it doesn't sound like a love spell, which I know it's technically not supposed to be, but it yeah, it sounds very interesting. All right, so there's a theory that Amy's spell doesn't work because she invokes Diana saying she's the goddess of love in the hunt. The thing is, is that Diana's not the goddess of love. Um, Venus is. From Bite Me, from by Nikki Stafford, she says, she had several temples that were presided over by priests, and what makes her temples stand out from those of other goddesses is the right of succession from one priest to another. To become a priest of Diana's temples, one had to kill one's predecessor in hand-to-hand combat, and human sacrifices were also accepted at her altar, which doesn't sound very loving. There was no Roman goddess of love and compassion until Venus came along. So when Amy prays to Diana, she's praying to the goddess of the hunt, which would explain why Xander becomes hunt dead, not loved. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And it would also con- be consistent with what Giles says, you know, it's not love, it's obsession. It's all about the hunt, which is the same thing that Angelus wow. likes to do. Yeah. So my headcanon is that's why, but, you know, there's probably many reasons. All right. So school the next day. Xander walking in with confidence. Very (laughs) different from his walk later on. (laughs) Goes up to Cordelia like, hey. Morning, ladies. Some kind of weather we've been having lately. She's like, what's his deal? Xander, is this love? Because maybe on you it doesn't look that different. (laughs) I just kind of like the fact that, like, Cordelia is so unfazed. Like, she's just kind of like, what are you doing? Cordelia is amazing because she clearly cares about Xander, but she really does a good job of acting like she doesn't. And I wish I had her cool. I really do. I think that she's just tipping back into, like, being really annoyed with him. Because even when they were dating, she was so annoyed with him. I think this is a natural response. (laughs) Yeah, so you're saying this is what love looks like on her? (laughs) Or just, you could love someone, but just be annoyed with them. Yeah, that's true. Xander realizes that nothing has changed. So then the song is Got the Love by the Average White Band. Um, also, also, okay, guys, remember how we were just talking about that extra from Never Kill a Boy on the first date? She's in this episode. With the bag? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Welcome back, girly. But she's one of the ladies that's gazing adoringly at Xander. <laughs> So look for her. She's got like really poofy red hair. 
Um, in the library, Giles is going through Angel's past Valentine's days. He nailed a puppy to the Buffy. Skip it. I don't want to know. Don't have a puppy. Skip it. The fact that she just is so like, oh, I can hear about him mauling people. But if there's a puppy, don't read it. <laughs> yeah. Xander comes in and says he should be bait since it would be more fun than his life. Once again, drawing parallels to Buffy's life. He's just clueless. He And I think the writers are specifically trying to to put that comparison in there to say like Xander is just clueless. Like he just, he thinks what's going on. And I think that's also a high school thing too. You think that what's happening in your relationship is like end of the world stuff when in actuality there really is end of the world stuff happening. Buffy said that she heard about it and said that it's Cordelia's loss, says they should hang out just the two of them that night, which was my first red flag. I was like, wait a minute, what? That they can comfort each other. Says, um, comes in really close and says she was surprised how glad she was that he and Cordelia broke up. Xander's in shock as we all are. It's funny how you can see a person every day and not really see them. And then she like leans in to kiss him just as Amy comes in to talk to him. And I think it's really interesting that Xander stops Buffy from kissing him to see what Amy wants. And I was like, I feel like that's unrealistic. I think if Xander was like, a real person, he would have been like, no, no, Amy, you get lost. I'm finishing with Buffy because this is like everything he's ever wanted right now. I think that if he didn't have a slight inclination that this isn't really Buffy, that he would have kissed her and not stopped to talk to Amy. But I think because he kind of is like, this doesn't seem like Buffy. He kind of is like, let me make sure with Amy before I do. Are you, you sure? Because I didn't. I, didn't I think you're line. giving him a lot of credit. I think um, you are. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. It's I because just, she's going to rip into him later, so she's trying to give him any sort of, like, redeeming quality. No, it's – I legitimately think that, like, Xander was like, let me converse with Amy and make sure – because, like, he did just make a spell with her. And so it's like, I really do – maybe even if it isn't, like, pertaining to Buffy, I really do think he's like, like, let me just hear what Amy has to say just in case it's something really bad. It could be, but – I don't know. I just was kind of like, Buffy's like about to kiss you, Xander. Like, I'm really surprised that he was like, okay, just a second. Let me go talk to Amy. It just was weird. But it makes sense story-wise. So Amy's like, all right, hey, I don't think the spell turned out right. Xander's like not really noticing, doesn't seem to care. He's like watching Buffy completely like make eyes at him through the library doors. Amy offers to do it again since she's new at it. And Xander looks through the window at Buffy again, says, no, no, it's okay. It was wrong to meddle with the forces of darkness. So this is this is strike number one. I guess, well, technically probably should be strike number two. But strike number one and also a huge red flag that for some reason, he's now completely over Cordelia when it seems like he can have Buffy. Obsession, not love. Obsession, but it, not it love also obsession. just goes to show you that, like, Cordelia was never what he wanted. Mm -hmm. Like, Cordelia was was just kind of what he settled for because he couldn't have Buffy. It's and the hunt, like, the chase that he loves. But that's just so unfair to Cordelia. Like, you know, because, I mean, Cordelia hasn't been honest with her feelings and everything, absolutely. But it's also just, like, even if... Xander didn't fully comprehend it and realize it. It's like, if you have that strong of feelings for someone where you're practically waiting around for them, you should not be dating someone else. Yeah, it's frustrating because, but I think it's interesting, your point, Leah, about how Buffy stopped him or he stopped Buffy and was like, hey, I need to talk. And Buffy's like, can't, I've got Angel. 
to talk about and or I've got Angel to deal with. It's interesting because I think that does that is consistent with him like, hey, Cordelia dumped me. I'm gonna go talk to Buffy about it. It's like an emotional connection type thing. If he could talk to Buffy and if she's like sympathizing is like, oh, poor Xander and stuff like that, he probably would be like, hey, cool, no, no big deal because Buffy's giving me respect. But by her just telling him, hey, no, I can't deal with your issue because it's not as important as my issue, Xander is like, Buffy doesn't respect me. Like it seems like he just like probably inflated something in his mm. mind. Um yeah. yeah. So yeah, Amy wants to hang out with him. And at first, Xander doesn't realize what's going on. And then Amy says the whole not really seeing someone until, you know, or you could hang out with someone every single day and not really see them. I'm surprised the spell worked on Amy, who conjured it. Well, I don't know. I don't really know how the spell actually works. Yeah. The idea it was is because, I mean, there's a couple of reasons why it didn't work on Cordelia. It could have been that Cordelia already did love him. And since no other girl loved him, no, that no, that doesn't make sense because Willow, I would say Willow at this point felt like she loved Xander or cared for him. You guys are shaking your head. Uh, I don't think I don't think she loved him. I don't think she ever loved him. I think that she loved the idea of Xander and him being her best friend. And I think that Xander was the first form of love that she experienced. But I don't think that she actually loved him because she hadn't like she hadn't dated anyone and so i think when you're best friends with somebody and you don't talk to boys i feel like you're gonna end up liking them and kind of grow an obsession of wanting to be with them again it's obsession i don't i don't know i don't think that she loved him for me i i don't i'm not sure if willow loves or doesn't love xander and i and i don't know that that has anything to do with the spell but i think that Willow definitely does care for him deeply, but I don't know enough to protect her from the spell if indeed that was what caused her to go under it, not Cordelia. Um, yeah. If if someone already loves Xander, though, would the spell just not work? So that I'm just confused by yeah. that because, like, I, in my head, can as cute or sweet it is, whatever, at the end that she's like, oh, like, the spell didn't work on her because she already loved him. In theory, it's sweet. I think that she just was immune to it because she had the necklace. That was her necklace. Um, I do think she loves him, but I I don't think it was like she she loves him so much. And that's why the spell doesn't work. But then it's like the spell wasn't for love. It was for obsession and or like the hunt. So I just, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Could you imagine if it was about like people who love Xander and then there's like one random chick at the school that like, <laughs> ends, up being, ends up being like, like, un, like immune to it and no one even knows who she is. Larry's like chasing after Xander. <laughs> yeah, literally. The Gunther of the Buffy universe. Yeah, exactly. The entire like what, how the spell works, how it doesn't work, who it works on, like why it doesn't work is just really... It's very loose, and the, I wish the episode was a little bit more specific about it, but I think like the we get the point, and the point is basically like don't mess with magics unless you have like a pure motivation and intention, and he didn't, and so that's the whole reason why the spell didn't work. I, I do feel a little bad for Xander when he looks back at Buffy and realizes that she doesn't actually care for him, that it's I actually the spell. I think that is a heart-wrenching moment. But I think it's also an important moment because it influences how he responds and reacts later on. Mm. So another girl comes up, hi, Xander. And he's like, 
what? Like, what do you want? <laughs> Runs home. We haven't seen Xander's room since Prophecy Girl. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of superhero posters, which there's an X-Men 2099 poster seen on the wall next to his bed above his nightstand. Joss Whedon is an avid X-Man fan, and he cites Kitty Pride as an inspiration for the Buffy character. Um, and also wrote a 24-issue run for Astonishing X-Men in 2008. So I, again, we know that Xander is supposed to be the stand-in for Joss. So it is not surprising to me that his room probably looks a lot like what Joss Whedon's room looked like growing mm-hmm. up. That's my guess. Willow is in his bed. And I totally thought she was wearing a flannel pajama set until she got out of bed. And then I realized that she's wearing Xander's shirt. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I think this is really interesting. I think they were trying to show one show Willow in the best light that they could with um, what's going on. They're showing how Willow and Xander have a different relationship than all these other girls that are trying to get with Xander. It's a very close, intimate one. The fact mm-hmm. that she went to his room and in his bed wearing his shirt shows that she cares for him in a very different way. And I think... It's interesting to watch Sanders' response. He handles it very well, and you could tell he's visibly very uncomfortable because this is his best friend. And she says, I've been in your bed before, Xander. Yeah, but Will, we were both in footy pajamas. <laughs> that line kind of killed me, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Stops her before she can finish what she's saying. He admits to it all being his fault since he cast the spell, which I was like, good for you, Xander. Willow ignores him and asks how long they've been friends. Xander, a long, long time. Too long to do anything that might change that now. Willow, people change all the time. They grow apart and they grow closer, which is similar to what Joss said in um, in Innocence about how Cordelia and Xander kind of show that rift that's been growing between Xander and Willow. Hmm. Xander, this is good. How close we are now. I feel comfortable with this amount of closeness. In fact, I can even back up a few paces and still be happy. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, it's not that I don't find you sexy. I'm like, he didn't have to say that. I mean, he's trying to be, he's trying to let her down kindly. But at the same time, it's like Xander, like she's already infatuated with you. You know this, like choose your words carefully. Or you just didn't have to say sexy. Like, it could just be like, it's not that I, like, don't find you attractive. Or it's not that, like, you're not amazing. Or, like, you know, things like that. But it's like, when a girl's trying to come on to you, don't say that you yeah. find her sexy. She'll <laughs> want to have sex with you right there. Yeah. Willis says, Xander, I want you to be my first. And Xander's like, baseman, tell me we're talking Ooh. baseball. I mean, it, it would be, you know, a home yeah. run. Uh, yeah. <laughs> If we're talking baseball yes. terms. If it was if it was Willow on He definitely on would have tagged game. all the bases. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, but this is also an interesting insight to Willow though. She tells him force is okay. And I was like, Willow, okay then. Xander says, that's it. This has got to stop. It's time for me to act like a man. And I was like, is he gonna do it? And then he goes and hide. And I was like, nope, not yet. Very in character. <sighs> yeah, Very on brand. Is. And Willow looks really hurt, which understandable, but you're under a spell, Willow. It's not real. So the girls are give Cordelia a cold shoulder again. Cordelia, what did I do now? Wear red and purple together? <laughs> I thought this was an interesting example and a really good example of high school, how kids create arbitrary rules and laws just to give themselves power and control. And it comes down to the whole love and obsession thing, even when it comes to platonic relationships and high school relationships too. You cannot love someone 
even in a friendship relationship and desire to have control over them. A lot of times we see obsession happen in cliques where everybody's obsessed with the person that has the most power or seems the most popular. And so I think this is just another example of like, just do what you want, do what makes you happy. Like stop trying to always live up to other people's expectations. The girls are upset because Cordelia broke up with Xander and hurt him. Cordelia is so confused. She's like, wait, you wanted me to break up with you. What does it take to make you people happy? <laughs> and then we cut to the infamous stretch down the hallway scene. Okay. I was audibly laughing at the scene, but also I find the most funny part in the scene is all the guys' <laughs> disgusting looks at Xander. All the girls are like, oh, Xander. And then the boys are just like, are you kidding me? What is happening? My girlfriend's in love with Xander Harris. What is going yeah, on? Miss Beekman's in love with Xander Harris. What's happening? Also, I was like, why is every slow-mo with Xander? We've had three now. Why can't we have a slow-mo yep. of Buffy? I want to see one. Wait, other than um, the pack, what was the other slow-mo of Xander? Um, there was the one in Teacher's Pet. It actually wasn't technically of Xander. It was Miss French as she was walking up to Xander. But but they're, they're all Xander-centric Xander episodes. episodes. Yeah. But this one, I will say, I think that what makes this episode bearable is the fact that Xander is very uncomfortable with all of the attention. And his discomfort is what makes this this moment just really, really funny. Mm -hmm. But I love the funky music and stuff. It's it's very funny. And the, the fact that the music is this specific song is supposed to show you that they are kind of making fun of Xander. It's not supposed to be, ooh, this is like a really cool dramatic moment like it was in the pack. It's supposed to be like, uh, yeah, we're, we're making fun of Xander. So Xander goes to the library knowing Giles will help him. This, oh, this is just the funniest. I I I like went back and watched this so many times. He says, It's me throwing myself at your mercy. I made a mess, Giles. Tells him about the love spell. Says every woman in Sunnydale wants to make him their cuddle monkey. Jenny comes in, Rupert, we need to talk. Hey, Xander, and then does a double take. Nice shirt. And then she starts to feel it. And Giles looks so confused. It's so funny to me because when Xander was talking about the love spell, he was kind of like, oh, okay, whatever, Xander. It's Xander big idiot, as usual. And then when Jenny comes in, that's when he's like, we need to take this seriously. Yeah. Well, Giles doesn't like fully understand. I, I, wait, I, I have to say, this is just a testament to how much Jenny is really sorry about what happened and how much she cares about Giles because even when she's supposed to be wired to be obsessed with Xander, she's still trying to convince Giles and talk to him while rubbing <laughs> Xander's shirt. It's like, I just was like, oh, like, that's so cute that she's still been like, but Giles, you don't understand. And is like trying to have him like understand because she's still just like so upset about what happened. But then while she's doing it in the back of her mind, she's just like rubbing and like filling his well, muscles. And Xander's like so funny. Like he wants the floor to just swallow him up. And he's like staring at Giles. He's, he's so like uncomfortable. help with his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And the revulsion and confusion on Giles' face is just so funny. Um, Jenny stops to ask Xander if he's been working out. And Xander looks at Giles like, see? help and then giles grabs jenny and like puts himself between the two of them and says i cannot believe you are fool enough to do this in xander oh no i'm twice the fool it takes to do something like this and i mean say what you will about xander he's very self-aware and i appreciate that he's like okay i messed up you know i'm admitting to that 
um, Giles like pacing and he's like, all right, we have to get Amy to reverse the spell. And then Jenny's over there looking so hot and bothered. <laughs> Literally. And he like, I think it's so funny. Giles gets so flustered and walks out alone and then realizes, crap, I left Jenny there. <laughs> Comes back in and drags like, her no. out. The comedy, the comedic timing in this episode is it's so genius. Funny. Because... Well, because then, like, Xander, he's, like, so uncomfortable. And then he brings the desk and oh covers the doors. And then <laughs> Buffy swings it open the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, so good. All, the card desk is way too small. But second of all, he forgets the door swing uh-huh. open. And just, like, the timing, he, like, puts it in. He's, like, all right, there. And then, like, he walks away. And the camera doesn't even pan away. And the door just opens effortlessly as Buffy just sashays <laughs> right in. Oh, yeah. I just... Seriously, have not laughed that hard in a long time. I forgot how funny this episode was. Before they leave, Giles says, um, do you have any idea how serious this is? People under a love spell, Xander, are deadly. And then he talks about how they lose capacity for all reason and says, if what you say is true and the entire female population is affected, dot, 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 don't leave the library. All right. So let's talk about this scene with Buffy and Xander. But before we do... I just want to say Sarah Michelle Geller looks really hot. <laughs> like this is like her makeup, her hair, amazing. she looks amazing. My only my only 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 applaud to Xander in this scene is when she hikes up her leg and is exposing herself right when he's like below her. He not once looks over there. And I I will say like good job for him for that. But I'm not going to sit here and be like Oh, you didn't molest somebody. Like, oh, I'm so happy. Like, like you didn't take advantage of Buffy like when she was like in a vulnerable state. But like, I don't know. It's uncomfortable yeah. to watch. I want to I want to quote what Xander says because I think it is important. He says it's not that I don't want to. Sometimes the remote possibility you might like me was all that sustained me, but not now, not like this. This isn't real to you. You're only here because of a spell. I mean, if I thought you had one clue what it would mean to me, but you don't, so I can't. So, I think the thing that bothers me the most. So, first of all, I want to say like I appreciate how Xander does treat Buffy. I think that's important that he treats her with respect. It's good. It's applaudable. And he didn't do the spell for Buffy. So it's okay. The problem is, is it's he's pouring out his heart and he's saying this to Buffy when earlier, when he was pouring out his, I say that in quotations, his heart to Cordelia, it was maybe something in you see something in me. All of a sudden he's so eloquent with Buffy and It's just frustrating because by the end Mm. of the episode, Cordelia and Xander are back together and you're sitting there going, Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be happy about this, but I'm not because Xander wants Buffy. And so it feels like Cordelia is a consolation prize. And I don't like anybody feeling like that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It seems like Cordelia is just a stand-in for Buffy until Buffy, like, you know, in Xander's mind – decides that she wants him Mm -hmm. yeah and so that i think that's what frustrates me the most i and i'll talk about the other episode or the other scenes later but yes i agree with you he handled the situation well it's just stupid because it's because of him that they were in this situation you know um and i wrote 
I don't like that the characters are in this position because anything where people are forced to do things without their consent has started to rub me the wrong mm-hmm. way. However, within the context of the show, good for Xander for ultimately being a good and decent guy. But when it comes down to it, it's still dumb that we have to see Buffy in this position. Buffy is the yeah. heroine of the show. It's supposed to be a feminist show. And yet all of the autonomy has been taken away of every female with the exception of Cordelia. And so it's frustrating to see them in this. And it's like, we're supposed to kind of applaud Xander for doing the bare minimum and not like, he took away her consent. Like the thing is, and Robbie even refers to it as the roofie Mm -hmm. spell at the very end. There's a very big metaphor there. And I know that's really harsh, but I think that's the reality of the episode. But like, I mean, with, without getting like into what happens later on the show, but they do delve into the metaphor of like, mind manipulation as a physical one in the modern world. Mm-hmm. It's consistent and so with the rest it's of the very games. consistent with the show. And so I, I 1000% agree. It's just dumb because he has no problem taking away Cordelia's autonomy, but he struggles with Buffy's autonomy. It's because away. ultimately he actually respects Buffy where he doesn't respect Cordelia. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So it's just, it's very frustrating. It's hard. It's hard to look at this ep- or the scene and go, yeah, you're a great stand-up guy, which I think is what they were trying to go for when it's mm-hmm. like, but it's only because it's Buffy. And it shouldn't be that way. You should be decent to everybody. <laughs> So Buffy, so you're saying this is all a game, you make me feel this way, and then you reject me. What am I? A toy. Which I do appreciate how self-aware that uh, the scene is supposed to be. Like, Because I think Buffy, in what she's saying, it kind of could be a representation of Cordelia as well. Women are not just toys. We aren't just things you can play with. So Amy comes in, tells Buffy to get away from him. Okay, we have multiple glorious hair flips from Buffy in this scene. I think I counted like four mm-hmm. of them. And every time she does, a piano riff goes, ba-da-ba, like every time. It's pretty funny. She's like, what is this, you two-timing me? They totally, they totally fight. Amy, Hecate, work thy will before thee, let the unclean thing crawl. Buffy is turned into a rat. Um, Side note, Hecate was originally a kind of goddess who promoted goodwill, um, but gradually she became associated with magic and sorcery and uh, is an, is credited for inventing sorcery. So just a hmm. little, little side note. Giles and Jenny come in. Jenny looks thrilled to see Xander. <laughs> Giles goes to catch Rat Buffy while Amy and Jenny fight over Xander. Who made you queen of the world? Well, you're old enough to be. Well, what can I say? I guess Xander's just too much man for the pimple squad. <laughs> Amy tries to change Jenny into a rat. Xander's like, quit with the Hecate. I I laughed really hard when he said that. He's like, quit with the Hecate, and he grabs her. So funny. In the hallway, Cordelia is confronted by the girls again. Okay, what now? You don't like my locker combination. Harmony, it's just not right. You never loved him. You just used him. And then they start to beat up Cordelia. Giles, you two sit, takes off his jacket. We have to catch the Buffy rat. (laughs) Xander and Giles have Buffy cornered as Jenny and Amy are having a stare down over in the corner. Oz suddenly appears and punches Xander, causing Buffy to get away. Oz, ow, that kind of hurt. Xander, kind of what was that for, Oz? I was on the phone all night listening to Willow cry about you. Now, I don't know exactly what happened, but I was left with a very strong urge to hit you. It's just, like, so sweet that Oz's, like, initial reaction is, like, protect Willow. Like, Willow doesn't deserve to 
to like cry and be treated like that. Like, uh, it's just like we have the guy that's supposed to look good in the episode and then we have Oz, like the one who actually does look good in the episode. Well, and Giles is very irritated when he Xander says, I didn't touch her, I swear. Giles snaps and says, Xander, where's Buffy? As in Giles is not happy at all with the Tonabit being taken away from all of these girls. And I think that I think he should have gone harder on Xander, honestly. I don't think he was hard enough yeah. on him. And I think that like I think he realized the severity of the situation because he's like, the people we care about are being made of fools. And are going to wake up out of this and feel so humiliated about what's happening. And you think he's getting frustrated with what – I keep saying that – but with what is happening with everyone. Yeah. yeah, totally. Also, I think it's just interesting that Oz goes and defends Willow after hearing her cry about Xander all night. And mm-hmm. doesn't – like no one explains to him what's happening. And yet he still volunteers to just go look for Buffy Rat and is like, okay, cool. Like he doesn't know that like his girlfriend's under a spell or anything. He – he just like jumps in and helps. And I know it's because they don't have time to explain everything, but I wonder like if he knew if he would have punched Xander harder. <laughs> yeah, knew exactly what was happening. So Giles and Xander get on the floor while Giles makes kissy noises. Oz gets on the floor with them, but you could tell he's like, what is happening? This is ridiculous. Um, Giles, if anything happens to her, I'll – and then he just glares at Xander. Oh, just go home. Lock yourself away. You're only going to cause more problems here. Giles says that Jenny and Amy and he are going to break the spell while Oz goes to find Buffy. Xander hears Cordelia yelling, Caesar being attacked in the hallway, and then um, him and Cordelia escape out. In the library, Jenny is pacing, obviously wanting to go find Xander. And this is where we have like that really meaningful conversation, at least on Giles' side with Amy. And he says, instead of making me ill, why don't one of you help me? And then Amy says, you don't know what I'm going through. And he says, I know it's not love. It's obsession, Mm -hmm. selfish, banal obsession, Um, which again, talking about Angelus here Mm -hmm. too. But it's also like poor Giles having to be the sense of reason in like everyone right now. Seriously. Well, and he says, Xander's in danger. And he brings up a really good point. If you truly loved Xander, you'd be helping me. You'd be helping me save him, not over here moping about it. Um, Outside the school, Xander and Cordelia are confronted by an axe-wielding Willow with a gang of girls. And I think it's really interesting that the writers showed Willow with like the most amount of emotion out of everyone. I think it's to kind of show, and I mean, Buffy mentions this, you know, later on. Willow cared for Xander before anybody else did. And so it makes sense that these emotions would be stronger for her than they would for anybody else. But I also think it's harder for her because it's like she's already had to go through the fact that she was into Xander. Now she has a boyfriend. Then being forced back into that position and taking your free will away from you and being humiliated because you practically came on to your best friend when you used to have those feelings. Like, I don't blame Willow one bit for feeling so violated. Yeah, I don't think that she feels violated in this moment, though, because she's experiencing and feeling the effects of not only the spell, but also her own emotions and feelings towards Xander. So it's more heightened than anybody else's emotions. She says, I should have known I'd find you with her. You don't know how hard this is for me. I love you so much. And I think everything that Willow is saying is things that Willow not under a spell has been feeling too. So it's supposed to kind of be like the clash and culmination of all of these emotions. I don't think it's something she's feeling currently. I think it's something she has felt in the past. Maybe. I 
I get the sense from phases that Willow isn't completely and fully over Xander. And the thing is, is that I don't think that's wrong because I don't think you have to totally 100%, maybe this is controversial, but I don't think you have to be 100% over someone to be able to have a good, healthy relationship with someone else. I think sometimes having a relationship with someone else helps you move on past your previous one, if that makes sense. I yeah, disagree. I, I <laughs> disagree as well. I think that you really should, because I, I think that you'll, there'll always be a part of you that like remembers mm-hmm. a relationship and like um, has a f- sort of like mourning um, towards it. But I really don't think that you should ever consider yourself still into a person if you're going to date someone else. No, I, I don't mean by still into them necessarily. I mean by like still like, getting over all of like the hurt and all of the other stuff. I agree with that. I think yeah. I think that there can be a lot of trauma and pain that someone can help you work through because it's like you're not being able to process it on your own sometimes. Um but I think if you're like still like I'm still I still have feelings for somebody and I still love somebody, I don't think you should get into a relationship. Yeah, no. I agree with that. Sorry. I should have clarified what I'm saying. I'm saying if you are still like in love with someone else, don't get in a relationship with someone else. Mm. What I mean by that is sometimes like if you've had like a bad breakup or you have had your heart broken and stuff, sometimes being in a relationship with someone new helps mend that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I didn't clarify very well. I'm not saying like <laughs> if you're in love, go ahead and just go in a relationship with someone else to kind of, you know, be a band-aid over yeah. what you're feeling. I And I also think that like in regards to Willow and like Oz and everything, I do think that Willow still has some like slight feelings for Xander. I think it's more so of the fact that, like, they were never explored, and so there will always be that kind of, like, what if. But I I don't think that she's, like, you know, really in love with Xander to the fact where she's, like, jealous of the fact that, you know, he has a regard for um, Buffy, you know? Yeah, no, I don't know that she's jealous of Buffy, but I think there is a part of her that's a little jealous of Cordelia, but it's hard to separate out is she jealous because she wants Xander's affection or is she jealous because Cordelia was always the person that her and Xander both hated together? And so it's like, it's a, it feels like a betrayal to Willow versus so much of a, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're in a relationship. All right. So then there's a lot of back and forth. We have Buffy Rat exploring the basement with Oz on her tail. Now there's a black cat after Buffy rat and we're scared for Buffy because we have to have some sort of tension with Buffy. But we also have to have a, a black cat in a witch-ish episode. Oh, like we did yeah. with Amy. There always has to be a black cat. Yeah, it's the spirit of the mom. Just to, to remind Buffy. us, there is witchcraft in this episode. Yeah. Could you imagine Amy's mom in the statue is over there like watching all this happen? <laughs> She's like, Amy, turn me back. Mm-hmm. All right, so Cordelia asks what's going on. Xander, I understand why he didn't tell her in that moment, but it also felt like Xander was purposely trying to not tell Cordelia what was happening. Like he didn't want her to know. So they bang on Buffy's door, see Joyce, clearly not thinking about the fact that um, Joyce is a woman too. In the kitchen, Joyce asks what's going on, conveniently sends Cordelia upstairs to go get bandages so that she'll leave the room comes on to Xander, and he's just so done. Cordelia, make me yak. What are you doing? Locks her out of the back door and says, 
and keep your mom age mitts off of my boyfriend. What I think is so funny about the scene is the fact that like when I first like when I was rewatching it, I completely forgot that like the spell would affect Joyce. <laughs> and so when I was watching it, like it doesn't seem like Joyce was doing anything weird at first, like just being like, oh, Cordelia, go get like it didn't seem weird. But then like, you know, obviously it turns into weird. But Xander's reaction where he just was like, whatever, <laughs> like I audibly laughed. Like I thought it was so funny. Like it's just so funny because he's like, I'm so done at this point. Like my teachers hit on me. Every girl at school's hit on me. And now the girl that I actually want to be with, her mom is hitting yeah. on me. Like I can, it's just, it was super funny. I really liked well, it. Well, I liked his reaction because it, it feels very normal. Like at that point, like he can't escape it. And he's like, if I just keep my head down, then like I can't get into any trouble. <laughs> so Cordelia's like, why is everyone gone insane? And Xander goes on the defense, says, is it so crazy that other girls would find me attractive? To which Cordelia, insightful as always, the only way to get girls to want you would be witchcraft. <laughs> Sander, well, yeah, good point. And then Joyce breaks into the back door. It felt very Ted-like. Xander, honey, let Joyce in. It made, ugh, it's so creepy. It like, made my skin uncomfortable. I think Ted called Joyce, Joycey. So it just, I think it's supposed to be kind of a little bit of a callback of Joyce isn't exactly herself. So they go up to Buffy's room, which is funny. Like, they're like, okay, we're in Buffy's room. We must be safe. As if Joyce can't break into Buffy's room. I don't know. This this episode is just a roller coaster. Xander looks out the window, is like, all right, we should be safer upstairs. <laughs> and then Angel, when he grabs him, I was laughing because mm-hmm. I was like, dang, I mean, I don't like Xander, but this poor guy cannot <laughs> catch a break. But also Al being dragged out through the window. I, I crack up because I'm like, okay, why was Angel up there for one? Did he not see Joyce outside the back door like easy pickings? How long was he waiting there for? Like, Joyce was by herself all evening. He could have gone into the house and kidnapped her at any point. Yet he chooses to hang out. See, I think that he was going to attack Buffy. Like, I think that's why he was waiting in Buffy's room, was he was waiting for Buffy. And then he saw Xander and he was like, and in all honesty, I think it was kind of like a little part of Angel was in him (laughs) and was like, Ooh, Xander! Like I finally have the chance to kill you. Um, but I also, I also do think that Angelus wanted to mess with Buffy, and a part of me thinks that he wants to save Joyce for last, mm-hmm. because I think he wants to kill like Willow and Xander and like Giles even like and really like get to her. But I think that if I was like a psychopath or whatever. <laughs> I think that one of the things that I would do is I would find the person that is the most precious to them and save them for last. And I mean, that's Joyce. Yeah, quite possibly. I just, I thought it was funny that he's like out there, can see Joyce out in like in the back door. And it's like, no, I'll wait for Xander. <laughs> That'll really affect Buffy. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think he was waiting for Xander. I think it just so happened that Xander was there and he was like, all yeah. right. No, that's a good point. Um, so Angelus is like, yeah, because he asks, he's like, where's Buffy? So he wanted to attack Buffy most likely. Says he wanted to do something special for her. Insinuates that he wants to kill him when, oh my gosh, roller coaster events. Somebody throws him off and we're thinking Buffy. Xander's thinking Buffy, but it's Drusilla. Dang, that is one powerful spell that Drusilla feels the effects. Because I kind of view Drusilla as like immune to like most magic and stuff one because she's a vampire but two because she also has like kind of 
not magic, but she has like foresight and stuff. So like, I feel like if anyone was able to kind of like foresee this coming and somehow find a way out of it, be Drusilla. And so it's so weird to kind of see her affected kind of like any normal human. Drusilla showing up is really terrifying. And I have to say, I remember the first time I watched this episode, I legitimately wasn't really scared for Xander until Drusilla showed up because she's so unpredictable. And also you rarely see her outside of the warehouse that it just, it was really, really creepy. Well, that, and we know that she kind of goes crazy when she's in love. (sighs) That's true. Yeah. Um, (laughs) This scene though did make me laugh. Angelus, I don't know what you're up to, Drew, but it doesn't amuse. Drusilla warns him, says, I don't want one hair on his head harmed. She calls him this boy. She calls him a boy, not a man. (laughs) Doesn't even know his name, but she's like obsessed with him. Angelus, you've got to be kidding him. (laughs) (laughs) And Angelus, you've got to be kidding him. I love that Angelus seems to hate Xander just as much as Angel does. I know. (laughs) And then Drusilla, just because I finally found a real man. (laughs) I noted she kind of puts her hand down his stomach like what Spike did in School Hard. He says um, he calls himself a real man too as he pants his hands down his belly. Yeah, it's supposed to be like an in the direction of his penis. Yeah. It's very no, I sexual. mean, that was implied. <laughs> Thank you yeah, for telling us that. <laughs> also, this is really funny because this mirrors the whole thing that happened with Angelus, Spike, and Drew earlier on. And it's just really funny because Drusilla is taunting Angel, saying that he's not a real man. When Angel was kind of doing the same thing about Spike earlier on, when he gave her the heart versus the necklace, and then I, I just died laughing. Angelus, I guess I really did drive you crazy. As he just like slinks back into the shadows and disappears behind the tree. <laughs> His little like stealth walk backwards is like, oh my gosh. Angelus does not get enough credit for how funny he is as a character. Yeah, well, and the funny thing is that he's just standing behind the tree the entire time because later on he just pops right back out to tell Drew, like, oh, guess you weren't invited in. (laughs) You know he was, like, just observing all the mess because it's so funny to watch. He's like, well, I'm not, you know, being affected by this, so I'm just going to sit here and watch it. That's what I would do. Angelus is like, live for the chaos. Spike's over there, like, hearing about it second or third hand. It probably wishes he could have been there. Drusilla, your face is a poem. I can read it. Xander, really, it doesn't say spare me by any chance. And then Drew asks how he feels about eternal life. Xander, we couldn't just start with a coffee. She goes to bite him, but is stopped by the mob of screaming ladies led by axe-wielding Willow and Jenny. Cordelia goes out and saves him, which... Cordelia saves his life. Willow's about to chop did you, him into pieces. Did you guys notice the absolute cannon of an arm that Cordelia has? She grabs Willow and launches her <laughs> off of Xander. I was like, holy crap. Remind me to never mess with Cordelia. This fool is a weightlifting champion. You know she works out on a free time. Yeah, what the heck? She's like, yeah, she's like killing it, like pushing everyone out of the way. I was like, dang, don't mess with Cordelia. Yep. And then Cordelia or Cordelia pulls Xander inside the house and they can't get in until Drew busts the whole door down. And then Angel's back there. Angelus is snickering by the trees. Sorry, Drew. Guess you're not invited. Oh, my gosh. Then we're confronted in the kitchen by Joyce wielding a knife. It's never going to work for us, Xander. We have to end it. I will say the actress who plays Joyce makes a terrifying 
like villain. I was like terrified. Anytime you see someone that's especially in like a more motherly type of role, it's always terrifying when they become really creepy. When Joyce is like, let Joyce in, I'm like, oh, don't let Joyce in. Leave her out. She's <laughs> <laughs> so scary. Joyce needs to stay outside with creepy, snickering Angelus. And then, okay, did you guys notice the absolute irony of having Cordelia and Xander back in the basement where they started their whole relationship? I noted this. I was like, but it, I think it's also kind of symbolic of the fact that like their relationship has not progressed at all mm-hmm. since they started. Like they're back to pretty much phase one, like bickering and just not getting along. Like they are, like there's no growth. Yeah, I agree. Oz still looking for Buffy, who's being lured to a cheese-filled trap. Giles and Jenny are close to recreating the spell. Cordelia and Xander are boarding up the basement. Um, Fun fact, so in the script, Oz was supposed to be singing Michael Jackson's Ode to Rats, the song Ben, while he was hunting Buffy, but for some reason it was cut. Most likely because it would have been really jarring in this very intense <laughs> moment. I kind of wish they would have done that. But I, I thought it was funny when Cordelia and Xander are in the basement. He like They're talking about like the magic or whatever. And then um, like you just have a, a Xander go, uh, yeah, but your hide's so thick, not even magic can penetrate him. <laughs> when he said I that know. one, I was dying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was a total deflection, but Xander's lines were just hilarious. Yeah. He's annoying episode. as a character in this episode, but like they really gave him some funny lines. Yeah, they really did. And again, he uses humor as a shield, but it's just, it's very funny. Um, so that's the moment that Cordelia realizes the spell was for her. And then you have the knife going through the door. There were so many like moments, like here's Johnny moment. Yeah, then, it like, was giving me like psycho vibes. Yep, Psycho, and then what's the other one? Um, the Shining. The Shining, thank you. I was like, what is that iconic movie? I can't remember. All right, just as Buffy gets to the trap, Giles and Amy do the spell, which I forget Giles and Amy have to do two spells. They have to do the one that reverses Buffy, and then they have to do the reversal of the love spell. They're doing a lot of work over there. I thought it was interesting that Amy is the one who handles the lesser spell, and Giles is the one who handles the big spell of like, having everyone the like the love spell pretty much like i thought that was really interesting that giles thought he was more capable of handling that than amy it could have been too because amy was affected so maybe it wouldn't have worked if she had done the spell but that's a really i hadn't thought of that before leah that's a good point the girls burst into the basement do you notice that the school lunch lady is even there i thought that was yeah funny. she has <laughs> like, like her um what's that the, the rolling pin with her as well yeah too. <laughs> All right, so then everyone tackles Xander and Cordelia just as Giles and Amy complete the de-loving spell. Everyone looks so confused. Oz, very gentlemanly-like, shines the flashlight away when he realizes that Buffy's naked. Buffy, hi, Oz. I seem to be having a slight case of nudity here, Oz, but you're not a rat, so call it an upside. (laughs) I like how, like, Oz is kind of, like, it's showing the difference between, like, Oz and, like, Xander, whereas, like, like, I, I don't know. I just love the fact that, like, Oz is not even, like, oh, my gosh, like, you're naked or anything. He's just very much, like, oh, yeah, like, at least you're not a rat. Whereas, like, I legitimately feel like if it was Xander and anyone, not just Buffy, he would be, like, oh, you're naked. Like, yeah, and make so a big just, deal about yeah, it. Oz kind of just, just downplays it. Yeah, yeah, Oz is just such a sweet guy. And, I mean, I just appreciate how respectful he is. He immediately points the flashlight away, looks down. Like, it's just refreshing. 
So in the other basement, all the girls look incredibly confused. Cordelia, boy, that was the best scavenger hunt ever. No, <laughs> the funniest part in this scene is when they're all getting up and you hear Harmony go, ew. <laughs> When she's talking about Xander, she's just like, ew, I'm identifying Xander. Like um, Mercedes McNabb, when she, how she executed the ew, I was dying laughing. It was so funny. Uh, yeah, this whole episode is just, it's just funny. Buffy later on says that her mom is so wigged at hitting on Xander that she's repressing. She's getting pretty good at that. I should probably start worrying. Xander says he's back to being incredibly unpopular. And Buffy says it's better than being axe murdered. Find out that Willow won't talk to him. And Buffy's like, she has every right not to. I love that Buffy speaks up for Willow and is like, Xander, she liked you before anyone. Like, her feeling violated or uncomfortable is extremely justified. I wish she would have gone farther and been like, you're an idiot. Why did you even think about this? But I like the fact that she really sticks up for Willow and is like, not trying to be like, oh, Willow will come around. She's very much like, give her time. If she comes around, she comes around. If not, you need to understand why she isn't. Yeah, and this is the second episode now that she's done this because in phases, she said it's not up to you and whether or not she dates Oz. So we see that Buffy is sticking up for Willow more and more, which I'm really appreciating. Um, she says, this is worse for her than anyone she loved you before you invoked the great Rufy spirit, which if you're going to compare this to roofing, then actually like deal with the ramifications like – you know, I feel like it but was just I also rushed do feel over. Like that is kind of realistic. Like I think that a lot of times, especially during the '90s, rape really was kind of brushed over and was sure. very. It was still treated is. as yeah, absolutely. Um, but it was treated as a very like either just not a big deal or it's completely like the woman's fault. Buffy admits to remembering coming on to him, said that she appreciated what he said to her, that it meant a lot. Which I find this a very interesting parallel. Obviously, I'm not going to compare what Buffy did, like her coming onto Xander is nothing compared to Xander trying to sexually assault her in the pack. However, both are equally embarrassing. And I think it's interesting that Buffy admits that she remembers everything that happened. And Xander, like we're still having him not admit what he did. It's because Buffy is constantly having to be put through situations where she has to choose the greater good. So she's morally superior to most of the characters, if not all of them, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, whereas Xander is rarely held accountable, and so therefore he knows he can push boundaries and doesn't have to own up to things. Yeah, I agree. It, it It's hard because you have little moments like this in the episode where it just really feels like the writers of the show is like kind of keeping their options open when it comes to them. And it almost feels like they're kind of saying that they're eventually going to get together. And it's just – it's very conflicting because I'm like, but she's just reeling over Angel and I really like Angel. And then they show how stupid Xander is and you're like, I don't want Xander and Buffy together. But it feels like the writers are keeping their options open. Yeah, stupid writers. <laughs> no one wants this. <laughs> yeah, no, but no one wants this. <laughs> Harmony is telling Cordelia about a popular guy that called her and wants to invite her out. It sounds romantic until Harmony reveals that she's the dude's third choice. And then 
that's kind of like the catalyst for Cordelia realizing that, hey, being popular is not worth it if like the person doesn't actually want to be with you. It's better to have someone that actually, well, in her mind, someone that actually wants to be with you. Someone who isn't popular and still doesn't want to be with you. But in her mind, she's like, oh, he did a spell just for me. And we're like, that's not right. That's interesting you bring that up, Sarah, that that was like kind of what triggered Cordy because I never, I didn't figure that out like when I watched the episode I like when I heard that dialogue I was like oh like Harmony had a moment where she was opening up about it I was like oh cool for Harmony but I didn't even think about the fact that like Cordy's like oh I'd rather be with somebody who I actually love and not be seen as popular kind of like what she was talking to Buffy about and out of mind out of sight where she's like I could be surrounded by people and feel alone and so I think this is a huge growth moment for Cordy Mm -hmm. she stands up um to harmony says that she's a sheep and then harmony's like i'm not a sheep she has no idea what she's even it's like an analogy and she's like yeah, i say like, i'm not a sheep, sheep. <laughs> yeah like, all you ever do is what everyone else does just so you can say you did it first and she's like i've been doing all this stuff just to pine for your approval when like it doesn't matter i don't remember what she says exactly right there she says i do what i want to do mm-hmm. i wear what i want to wear and you know what i'll date whoever the hell i want to date yep no matter how lame he is and that is why Cordy is the queen bee and not Harmony. Yeah, and Cordelia going up to Xander and choosing him and putting her arm through him and recognizing in that moment, like Cordelia is the one that made the sacrifice. She is essentially stepping down on the social ladder, even though like it doesn't really matter. And that's why it's so clear to see how much Cordelia loves and cares for Xander. And I do love this little moment. She says, what have I done? They're never going to speak to me again. Xander says, sure they are. If it helps, whenever we're around them, we can fight a lot. And she says, you promise? And he says, you can pretty much count on it. So sweet moment, mixed feelings about it. This episode was really fun. It was really funny. It's just really hard to root for Xander and Cordelia when I don't, it doesn't even really feel like Xander wants to be with her. And it feels like Cordelia is sacrificing so much to be with him. And yet he doesn't really want her. It's hard because you're rooting for Cordelia, but you're not rooting for Xander and Cordelia. Exactly. It's just really hard. And it's stupid that Xander doesn't face any repercussions for what happened. Everybody just goes back to repressing, you know? Well, same thing in the pack. He didn't have any repercussions in the pack as well. Like it doesn't. It's a pattern of him doing things and then no one really calling him out on it. It's like the, they'll make thing, make comments in the moment like Giles or like Buffy did at the end. But it's like there's no one like really holding him accountable. Yeah. And I think this episode is really fun and it's a really fun little breather with, you know, paired with phases because, you know, this episode's about Cordelia. Last episode was really about Willow. So it's kind of nice to have a little bit more of a focus on these budding relationships. And it's a nice little breather between surprise and innocence and the next episode, which is just very intense. So I appreciate it for what it is. Um, but Yeah, that doesn't take away from the fact that there are some problematic themes. And I hope that, you know, Xander starts to own up to his mistakes. Agreed. So, all right, guys, that was Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what you guys think about the episode, especially on some of the themes that maybe have not aged as well. Um, What do you think about 
Xander's spell about vengeance versus love and control and all that stuff, you guys can DM us on Instagram at Becoming Buffy Podcast, or you can email us at Becoming Buffy Podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys. We've been enjoying all of your guys' comments and questions. Thanks so much for listening, you guys, and we will see you next week. Bye.